Hello and welcome to the Hawks Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and oh, I do love it when I watch my favorite NFL team make very smart moves time after time after time as it's been so far this offseason. The approach, the decision of whether or not to move on from Carroll, who to consider out amongst the landscape. It's all been a wonderful portrait painted here by our front office and ownership as they've made seemingly tactical right choice after right choice on the surface of it. There are no guarantees in the long term. There's no decision that you know for sure is going to work in every way, which shape and form. You can do what you can do to mold the situation within as much control as you may have. That's the way the NFL works where you may do a lot of smart things and things go wrong. You can do dumb things and then you can't be shocked when they don't go right. You know? And that's certainly not where they're twisting right now. And they've added to it now even more further by adding now an assistant head coach here, basically may become the de facto defensive coordinator because it's not really going to matter who the defensive coordinator is going to be here um, because it's at this point, McDonald's going to be calling the, calling the plays. And so, you know, the, the, the role of that DC is going to be a bit more diminished and it may just become this man. And I'm speaking of Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier, a fantastic hire here on a couple of different levels. First, let's just unravel right off the gate as his role as a, a potential DC and what he would bring coming in. And I'm going to be just going to, it's going to be kind of uh, semantics here. You know, does he have the title? Does he not? His impact for all intents and purposes, being an assistant head coach really kind of puts him into this kind of position, even if the other, somebody else assumes the title of DC or as some people have guessed, Maybe they're just not going to be a defensive coordinator. Maybe they, they will just be sort of a shared kind of role there between Frazier and McDonald. But Frazier's got a track record. He is a coach that has been in this league for a very long period of time. He's both been a player and a coach. He has both won a Super Bowl as a player and as a coach. Not a head coach, but as a coach. Part of that Colts staff that won it with Peyton Manning back in the uh, mid, middle 2000s-ish, middle, middle of the latest two thousands. And so he has an understanding of what it does take to be a champion. He's been in the league for a long period of time through the different iterations that the league has seen. And he's also now been recently done some really nice work that indicates you're also getting another fantastically smart defensive mind into the room, a very able guy when it comes to you know, helping McDonald pushing the ball forward. And what I like about these two is you have McDonald with almost a little bit of the, going back to just about the, it's not Buddy Ryan's 40s, it's its, its own thing now than it is that, but there's like that origin of it going back to Ryan. And then in Frazier, you have his origins going back to the Tampa 2 de- defense. So back to that, t- you know, Tony Dungy type defense. And you have, you know, both of these kind of, things coming together a little bit in a meeting of mind of ideas in their basic different philosophies that they have in general terms apply with. Now, both of them, I think, do a lot of the same stuff really when it all boils down because of the way that McDonald is more modernized, the old 46 from what it was. It's, it's, no one can run that no more. I mean, you could barely run it back then, but um, it's still, I, I think it'll be great to bring a guy like in this that has that background. He's not a pure, you know, cover two guy. He'll run with the cover two shell principles. Some of the Fangio shell principles will Frazier. But you can feel his impact when you look through 
a little bit of his recent history, just especially. Let's just stay on, you know, what has Frazier done lately? Because, you know, I can show you 10 years ago, but you'll go, hey, what, yeah, what, what about right now? And this last year, he took a year off from football. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But 2016, prior to the arrival to the Buffalo Bills defense, they were, and I'm going to show the stats here over my left shoulder so you can see this as I'm going along. They were 19th in yards allowed, um, 17th in points allowed. So kind of middle of the road. All right. Not, not bad, not horrible, but not, not good. Middle of the road. He comes in the next year. Actually, allows a little more yards allowed, points allowed, instituting his defense there in the Bills. Maybe not a talented unit at this time. This is, of course, just with uh, the, in the McDermott uh, era coming into form just about here. We get to 2018, we get a big jump. The team moves up to from 26th in 2017 in yards allowed to second. They still sit at 18 points allowed. Maybe some of that being that you have, I think you have a young Josh Allen there throwing some picks times and get, putting them on some short fields. But the yards allowed was uh, second during 2018. 2019 really gets cooking, really gets flowing. Third in yards allowed, second in points allowed on that Buffalo Bills defense. So, okay, not, not too bad. Now, he leaves in... Uh, in 2020, I think it was, sorry, let me double check my notes here. I had this up and I, I took it out. So he does leave in, uh, for the 2000, no, do, 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 Bills. Sorry. He's assistant head coach now, 20, 20 and 21, 22. So again, as we get to uh, 21, first and first, 22, first and second, 2023, after he left, this past year, it's a little bit of a cliff. So what, what might've happened to them? <laughs> yeah. Now there's other, there's a little more, again, I want to be in the name of fairness on the Buffalo Bills this past year. They did suffer some pretty big gnarly injuries on that defense, specifically really to three guys, mainly Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, and uh, Tredavious White. And that didn't help them. But this was a year where Frazier was taking in the year off. There's a big impact of loss from this defense when he walks out the door this past year. It's not merely, it's literally zero. It's literally from zero to zero. It's from first to worst. That's your drop off. And now while losing a couple of players might account for some of that, it can account for kind of all of that, can it? Now the Dolphins are in that division, sure. But so are the Jets with their quarterback situation too. So is New England with their quarterback situation too. I don't know if you can find a lot of excuses past, wow, they really, they really, felt and missed the impact of Leslie Frazier and what he brings. And I, I, what it seemed like to me, got him out the door there that final year, had him, I'm going to take a year off and just call this, is that they had the, the Bengal game there and the snow and the elements. And, you know, the elements kind of ended up, I think, messing things up there a little bit there for that, that Bills team as much as anything else. And you'd think they would play well in the elements. They just didn't, to me, feel like they did on that day. But a lot of people threw the blame back of the defense and his approach, which sometimes can have that, I, I'm going to drop and, and protect deep and make you have to earn it. And, uh, but then teams will earn their way up the field sometimes. Um, he's had a lot better of a recent track record in running this process than we did under Carroll with that same kind of approach, but in a different way. Um, I think he's you know, been more of a 4-3 over guy where I think we were a 4-3 under team, you know, as far as the kind of differences there. We were cover two. There was in what we'd like to lean to or, you know, uh, 
the uh, quarter, quarter half, and he likes that, you know, cover two shell and drop into cover two quite a bit out of it. So it's a little bit different in execution what you're doing, but they're all conceptually trying to really accomplish the same thing, which is to prevent the offenses from getting down the field and hitting you deep, make them earn their way up the field. You counter this and contrast this with a Mike McDonald, who's going to be a little bit more of a, I'm going to take it to you. I got a little bit more of that Wink Martindale, a little bit more of that Buddy Ryan kind of background, you know, Rex Ryan kind of, uh, you know, background to him. And, and McDonald seemingly has found that perfect balance there in order to, you know, how do I get the right amount of just blitzing to dropping into coverage? And because he does so much disguising in what he's doing and so much of it's built upon that, and especially with the stacked fronts, it adds a whole nother layer to anything that, you know, Frazier would bring with his defense. And Frazier's defense kind of just philosophy fits very well over the top of it, you know? It's like two blankets you're laying down on top of each other. It's just perfect. It's not going to be a unworking hybridization that's, this doesn't fit to this. It, it does. It, it, will, it will melt very well. So on the, on the X's and O's side of it, this guy gives you a tremendous, um, just a tremendous, tremendous coach uh, for, for his defensive understanding and background, his recent record, been in the game forever. There's not a thing he hasn't seen defensively that he is going to at least have a potential adjustment or counter to. Um, he's a guy in a lot of ways who probably should have at one point or another been given another head coaching job opportunity. You know, he got into that that spot some guys get into where you get your one shot and you never another get you never you never get another opportunity. But he is going to help first right on that front instantaneously with McDonald. That's just another really smart guy in the room who uh, knows what he's talking about to give him another guy, another mind to lean on. The other part this adds, the guardian angel aspect of what this provides is that you have a young coach coming in as going from the oldest coach in the NFL to now we have the youngest coach in the NFL. And if you hear that on the surface of it, you, you, you go, okay, that can work. We've seen that work with McVay. I mean, he was damn near 29 years old when he walked in with the Rams. But you go, you know, I do need to kind of do something like what I did with McVeigh, though. I got to pair this back with a guy that, you know, has that gray beard, has, has seen it all, done it all, you know, been through all the wars, and, uh, and that he can lean on, you know, that there doesn't have to be him always learning these hard mistakes. When you're the first-time coach, we've all seen it, right? These guys get memed up when it happens to them, and you feel bad about it. They'll have these moments, uh, you know, where they're just first coaching job and it's a fourth quarter call or they don't get a timeout in or they win for fourth down in this wild moment in their own territory. And why would you ever do that? Who would, what would ever possess you to do that? And so they just get banged on it, you know, whereas an older coach would, you know, lean over to the younger coach if he was there and say, coach, yeah, just not on this one. Trust me, I'll, I'll explain it later. You sure? Yeah. Okay. We're not. No, no, count it off. Bring, bring the kicking unit on. Bring the kicking unit on. So you, you need this guy to be there with that because there's going to be, especially having a head coach like McDonald uh, and him calling the defensive calls. This is the extra layer with him is that, and McVay called, I believe, the offensive calls for the Rams. So that's, he was able to pull it off on the counter side of it. But you need all that much more than the guy that he can lean into for more of the coaching type stuff that'll happen over the course of the game. And now Frazier, you know, is able to come in and provide that kind of role for him, which is just going to be fantastic. And now you can maybe avoid those pitfalls that these first-time coaches fall into when they're not given that guy or they don't get the right guy in who can provide that. 
And then they, they just have to learn those hard lessons. And so maybe they're providing you some really good upside as that first time coach, the dynamic offense and he's doing all this and he's doing all that. And that's wonderful. But then when it comes down to actually the, the big coaching things that he's got to get right, you know, uh, keeping control of your timeouts and just how you manage the game at a big, you know, three, three, 30,000 foot level looking down. Uh, that's where then they can kind of fail at it. And then so the, their goods, whatever they're doing in the good column gets pulled back a little bit like the reins. And uh, it gets, you know, not not fully pulled, you know, like there's no use to those guys at that point, whatever good they're bringing, but it definitely keeps them from reaching potentially the heights that you're seeking to reach uh, when you bring these coaches in. So this is uh, a fantastic hire, just like what McVay had for him with Wade Phillips. Phillips came in there, son of a coach, uh, Bum Phillips, Colorful guy out there when the Oilers traded us, uh, Steve Largent, kind man for that. And um, his son had been in the league forever, seen it all, done all, been a head coach, just a lot like this Frazier situation. Very defensive-minded coach. And uh, this is going to allow McDonald to really be able to, I think, you know, relax in a lot of a lot of ways and you know, know he's got himself covered from not making some huge boneheaded mistake because he's so caught up in some defensive scheme at the moment that he doesn't think of something that he should have been thinking of, but he's got the guy that'll be there in his ear to say, you know, tap him on the shoulder and you know, say, no, you don't want to, you don't want to go down that road with this. Just take down this, you know, and he's going to have the trust in Frazier at that point. If Frazier doesn't have to sit there and have an argument with him about it, you know, it's not that he's got, a, he's going to overrule McDonald. McDonald's still got the final say, but it's just that you, if he comes over and says, hey, just don't do this and I'll explain it to you later. Mike McDonald trusts, okay, whatever he explains to me later, this is going to add up and track and I'll understand it and why he advised me to go down and, and push over in this way of it. But uh, just another f fantastic part of this process. I know some fans aren't happy with it. Many fans seem very, very energized by the decision to move on from Carroll. It wasn't an easy decision would be my point. None of this stuff's necessarily been easy to be made. And they went out there and they made the tough decision and then they could have taken the easy approach beyond that. They could have taken the safe hire with Dan Quinn that would have uh, certainly wouldn't have had people rejecting it outright like a bad hire. And maybe not all of the fan base would have been jumping up and down with the pom-poms, but at least some of the people that were the Carroll folks that, you know, loved uh, Carroll, didn't want to see him fired would then go, okay, you know, if uh, you're at least bringing in kind of a Carroll guy, so I'll, I'll be more accepting of this. They didn't take that route. They took a long form approach and said, let's look through all these candidates. Let's see what we got, everything available to us, and then make the proper judgment from there. And then they made seemingly what we, we think and appears to be the proper judgment. We'll see with time. But it, on the surface of it, both locally and nationally, people are going, yeah, this is a, a hire that, that is smart. This guy is you know, genius and mastermind and all these kind of phrases that get tossed around with this guy. And they, but you don't hear a lot of, what is Seattle doing? Why are they doing that? Who would have ever brought this young coach in? You're, you, I don't think any of you heard one report, have you, about how, oh, look at how they're bringing in this young coach that, how's this going to work? Not one report, not one story, not one article. Um, I'm not even hearing from opposing fans coming into my chat here. You think a couple of them be like, oh, you think this, and, and even them, no, no, that's, okay. We know this guy's legit. This guy's good. He's going to be a problem for the opposition, of course, for the opposition. But now they, they just continue to add on to this with, uh, bringing in Leslie Frazier, who I think provides just a great guiding hand. Uh, ben Grubbs, Ben Grubbs, sorry, learned to pronounce his name right. Uh, looks like he is the front runner to be the offensive head coach now, offensive coordinator here for your Seattle Seahawks coming up, which, you know, I, I, I've 
heard some back and forth. I think the the Huskies out there in my audience love them. Uh, the Cougs are like, yeah, whatever. And then some are like, I don't know if that offense is going to work that college offense. But I'll tell you one thing is that he is not going the safe route with this. It's kind of my, my whole big long-winded you know, point to this is that the Hawks are taking a smart approach, but they're not necessarily just trying to take the safe approach in their process here, especially if they end up making Grub the higher. And um, I, I love that they're trying to take that big swing here and they're doing it smartly. And as I said at the top, that's not a guarantee for success. But you start stacking smart decisions on top of each other. That is where you start to pave that road towards getting in that direction of things. And uh, hopefully our uh, Seahawks can get it done. Hopefully these coaches are the right coaches in here. But Frazier, I think, is a, a guy that you know exactly what you're getting here. He is going to be nothing but a help to that defense. He's going to be a nothing but a help to Coach McDonald. And he's absolutely going to be a nice steadying voice in that locker room that I believe players will listen to. And uh, there's really, to me, you can't find any kind of downside to this move, which I love more than anything at all on it. So uh, you may hear me get praising more and more of this team time and again, rather than hearing points of, of things that I'm not uh, happy with. But uh, that's just because they're doing smart things. And when the team's doing smart things, it's deserving of praise. When it does dumb things, you deserve of, of knocking them for it. And hey, why are you guys doing dumb things? But nothing so far this offseason in their process has been dumb or um, not the right approach. And it's great to see. And this is a great hire. So you're going to love Leslie Frazier. This is a, a helpful hand to Mike McDonald. Just what the doctor ordered. None of those first-time pitfalls. And hopefully our Hawks are going to be able to really uh, jump on the back of this and make this uh, something um, that can be really good really fast. Because that's just another thing that Frazier comes in here to help you with is I'm not asking for a quick turnaround. This may take a while. You are instituting some new principles across the board, a new culture, all that. I get that. So I'm not going to be chomping at the bit. But this is a very talented team. It's a very talented team that our own general manager said he felt underachieved last year. You're bringing in a lot more guys here that are going to help them now start working to the point of achieving their possible and maybe even taking them into the over column on that one. Smart guys know what they're doing, know what we're getting. We've got a great melding. I just love the, uh, the thought process here of moving between the, the stack fronts that you get from sort of the ancestral roots of McDonald's defense to the cover two principles that you get from the ancestral kind of roots of uh, Frazier's defense and then how you blend those together and how you keep that perfect balance of stack fronts to blitz, you know, how you hide that cover two or how you make it look cover two to the last minute to then sneak it out into being a single high or a cover three, or maybe just man across the board or quarters. You, you just, so many different flavors and movements between these guys and the adjustments that they can apply. Uh, like we saw in the second half of that game in the playoffs between the Chiefs and the Ravens, where McDonald had an answer he could go to. Struggling a little bit in that first half, giving up 17 points, finds an answer he can go to. And able to utilize an answer that's so good the Chiefs don't score another point throughout the whole rest of the second half. And that's what you're going to get even more so now, I think, with a guy like uh, Frazier brought in. And I think with Frazier, his weaknesses are the perfect thing that goes to what McDonald brings to the table and his aggressiveness and his stack fronts. Because a lot of Frazier's troubles are with that, oh, he just runs the cover two, and it's just a lot of four, three over. So you're just, you, you know the front you're always going to get offensively, and everything becomes predictable. McDonald, completely unpredictable. But yeah, there's still a lot of good things he brings. So uh, we're going to do a uh, pretty quick show in here tonight. This will be a in and out, a uh, little extra one as I've got a show going on tomorrow. I'm trying to um, bring in as well right now, Chad Brown for uh, another interview with him because I want to talk about this defense with him. I want to talk about the situation here with uh, 
Carol and uh, a little bit maybe of Wilson with that as he, he's out there in Denver and been covering the team out in Denver. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. If you guys have any uh, questions that you might want me to ask Chad Brown, do me a favor, uh, post them uh, if you can. You can do it in the comment section here, but if you can, post it in my comment section below of this video after it posts. And then I'll look, uh, I'll be on the lookout for it, but we will be getting a uh, Chad Brown interview, hopefully again, bringing him back in the house. Had a great time. Didn't get through all my questions last time that I wanted to ask him. I want to talk to him a little bit more about a few more things and uh, hopefully we'll have him synced up here soon, as well as uh, we've got this week on uh, Tuesday on uh, four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We'll be doing uh, Behind Enemy Lines, a very special edition, a very special edition on Behind Enemy Lines. Today we take you with Coach Evan of Sip to Tally Films YouTube channel, a Baltimore Ravens YouTube channel. We did a behind enemy lines this year. Had a great time with him. He knows this defense back and front. His channel's got a lot that it does in covering the all 22 tape. We're going to be getting into a lot of the peculiarities, the particulars, uh, itemize it a little bit, try to figure out what we should be looking for as, as folks new to this defense and talking with him a little bit about that on this upcoming show at four o'clock uh, on Tuesday. So a lot lined up here. And no, by the way, we're going to be doing a show tomorrow on Sunday. So we're not going to get to a lot of Senior Bowl talk tonight. I might get a couple of questions popped in on that, but I've got a Senior Bowl show. We'll be doing a Senior Bowl wrap-up um, coverage kind of of the Senior Bowl week and the Senior Bowl game and risers and fallers and all that, but we'll be doing that tomorrow at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So we might be doing shows just about all week long for you guys. Hope you're ready. Strap on in. We're going to get on. But that does mean tonight we're going to be doing a little bit short. So not a long Q&A tonight. Kind of just an in and out kind of quick show for you guys. But I uh, appreciate everybody watching tonight. Can you do me this, this little favor if you could? Big, big favor. Big helpful hand to me if you hit and smack that like button. So when you hit that like button, tells YouTube to push my video out. Tells me to push my content out to other places on the platform. So you do help it out tremendously. If you could do that for me, please. Uh, Megan uh, Gokroger, my lady from Dananda has been celebrating 26 long months, over two years as a Hawks Nest member. Thank you for that, Megan. We've got ongoing member shows right now every Thursday. This won't be joining as it's family day. Well, sorry about that, Megan. Well, not sorry, but I hope you have a good family day. Uh, we have hockey. Love this hire. Can't wait to see how it goes. Me neither. And it does look like, Megan, we've been blocked to hire Kafka by the Giants. You've, you've given Frazier the assistant head coaching role. So now you can't really offer that. You can't really offer that to the Giants as a, uh, as an option at this point. That would be the only way you'd be able to just pull them, pull them away without the Giants squawking about it. So it, uh, it does mean he remains. Uh, Devo Martel, thank you for the, being a member of the Hawks Nest for six months. Appreciate you as a Ring of, and Ring of Honor member. Let's go, Kent. Can the season start now? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to be, I'll tell you, you guys think you're chomping right now. Just wait till we're, we're through the free agents, we're through the draft picks, and we're sitting there and it's only May 17th. And you're like, oh man. Oh, it's going to be a long summer. <laughs> so strap in on that one. I have a feeling we're going to be uh, hanging in there for a second with it. But excited nonetheless, Devo. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. This Brando, blade to your jugular. Who do you want for OC? <sighs> I just watched, uh, just watched Chinatown last night, Garth. With the, got the little, they got the knife scene. I was like, do you like your nose? you like your nose? Yeah, I like my nose. 
Thanks. Man, that'd be brutal. Um, movie kind of held up, by the way. Kind of. Uh, Blood of My Jugular, who do you want for OC at this minute? Hmm. Well, it's kind of unfortunate to hear news coming out, Garth, that Arthur Smith was reportedly the guy that they were going to try to target into, but Arthur got a little bit tap tippity tappy of the toes. He saw Brable maybe wasn't going to get a job and he wasn't sure if, if McDonald was going to get his the job there with Seattle. So, you know, he just kind of jumped jump ship and ran Steeler Town, which uh sucks to hear because that wouldn't have been the worst of additions. Um You know, I guess the Ben Grubb guy sounds as good as any that they're that are out there as far as available. You know, Engelstrad out there at Detroit. You know, he's never he's never called plays. I I don't mind going with untested, but that's really untested. Um, I do feel like with play callers, you have to get through their whole bumps in the road. Those pitfalls I talked about the head coach. I think you get with with uh, coordinators, first-time coordinators, see, getting their play sequencing right and understanding what gets them in trouble and their tendency, their own tendencies. But I think Grubb's going to get it. Do I think he's absolutely the positively the best coordinator here they could have gone with as a hire or an OC for a hire? I, I'm not sure on that part. It's it's got a lot of potential to it. I like that it's a not an old school offense. I like that. I like that. I think it will fit G, to Geno Smith's skill set pretty well, and you've got players that can fit pretty well to what you want to do from it. Kind of thinking about it the other night, the one thing that stands out to me with this receiving core is that you know, with Bobo, Lockett, and DK, you don't really have yak guys, so you can't lean into having an offense that's really based on just throwing it into a guy's hand and having him go put in work out in space unless you're looking to go get another one of those guys from somewhere that that means to me uh, maybe we got to build a little bit more of an offense that is housed into not needing to do that like other offenses are in the league like the 49ers and maybe not taking the maybe we're not looking to take the page out of the Niners book because we just don't have the personnel to do so and I don't think it's smart to just move off all the talented personnel we have to do that we have that are good in a lot of other ways simply because they don't do the yak stuff well, then let's find an offense that crafts to them. Does this spread offense do that? I mean, not really. The air raid will go deep. Penix certainly showed you how you could find some designs within the air raid to attack deep with it and, and those concepts with it. But, I mean, it's also going to want to kind of pepper the ball in short a little bit too. And work the yak is kind of what I'm saying. But um, Grub will be the guy. I, I kind of feel like maybe there's something else there that's something else there. But I'm also not going to squawk about it because it's a forward approach and it's not it's not boring. And as I said at the top about all these other moves, say what you want about them. They're not safe. They're not playing it safe. The safe move would have been to go and hold on to Coach Carroll. The safe move would have been to, to then if you're going to move off Carroll, to go get Quinn. The safe move would have been to go find a head coach who'd coached before, if not Quinn, like a like a Vrabel. You know, you, they, they're going big on this. So I guess why not continue to go big all the way down the line, even to your offensive coordinator? So. 
I wish I had more names though. It just when looking through the names list, I think it's why they're to guys like Ingolstrad is that uh, there isn't really a, a big deep list. I think the guy out of the Dolphins, the Frank Smith one would have been a very interesting one too, Garth. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, he might've been, you know, even a little better because there is a little bit of, but then again, I come back to it that that's all about Yak, that whole offense. So it's like, maybe not that. It's going to take a guy that's just creative and understanding how to use his talent to do the things that Leslie Frazier talks about. Um, like the player quote here, he's great all around. You can tell he really cares about his players. The one thing I've noticed about him for years, says Matt Milano about him. He cares about his players, but he also has that unique approach. Mike McDonald has this unique approach of trying to find out what those players do well and maximize that rather than forcing them into the box of do what I tell you do into this one role where I'm sitting you into. And so maybe you're going to find an offensive coordinator that can do that. And maybe that's really utmost as I'm kind of long-windedly talking this through, Garf. Maybe that's a, the, really the most important thing to do here is to find a guy that rather than the offense he brings, the understanding he brings of, we're going to get you the offensive line. You're going to have as much offensive talent on this offensive side of the ball as anybody in football, but you're not going to do it the same way as other people are going to do it. And you find an approach that works within that. Yeah, I can do that. You give me DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN, Charbonnet, Walker, bookend tackles, second round left guard, third round center. Yeah, I'll, I'll find a, a, a Jake Bobo in there a little bit, maybe. I'll, I'll find, a, I'll find a, to, a way to work, make it work. Suspicious Dench has been a member of the Hawks Nest for 14 months. Says, go Hawks. Have I missed anything? Oh, no, man, you were only, only 20 in late. It's all good. Just, just the bottom line being Suspicious Dench. And thank you for that. 14 months as a Hawks Nest member. Uh, love, love this hire in addition to love what they've done throughout this off season. There's not been even, uh, I, if I was stepping in the tracks of the snow that the Hawks had walked, I'd be putting my shoes right into the same imprint every step of the way this off season and what they've done. And it just, it's been pretty, um, astonishing to see where a lot of the stuff that we talked about throughout this season and, and not only the reasons to go and potentially move on from Carol, but what you would look for. in if you're bringing somebody on to this team. And what you would then do on the second and third and fourth things then beyond that as your approaches that extend beyond that, you know, in succession to that. Like, I'm hiring a really young coach. Okay, well, then I need to get the elder statesman in there who can guide him down the river right. Well, got that done too. You know, forward-thinking approaches on both sides of the ball. Boom, got that too. You know, maximizing the talent here. Boom, got that too. You know, doing, doing all the things that we would have talked about and dreamed about, daydreamed about, quite frankly, throughout the course of the year. And it's coming true. And it's coming true in full. Just gets me again that much more hopeful for much more of the immediate impact of these returns of change. Because you're not leaving things unaccounted for. You're not taking advantages, a, a, a group and a clump of them and, you know, throwing them off the table and going, no, we're going to do it over here with all this instead. We'll, we'll leave that clump on the floor. No, take advantage of everything you possibly take advantage of. You know, utilize your players for all the skills they bring in particular, not for what you want your thing to be. It's, uh, I think it's a subtle, but a very important point. But that's my bottom line stench. Nothing but good times right now, man. Snail, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that, Snail. With Mike and Frazier, it would be interesting to see what an air raid attack would end up looking like. 
Grub would have the ability to really test it. Well, it's something we've really, I don't think, quite ever fully seen in the NFL unleashed because, of course, a lot of what you get with full-on air raid is you got the, the hash marks spread at the college level and those fields like that where it really does allow you to wi- sort of widen out the field a little bit more. Um, that's part of what I think sometimes makes it hard to, to put those concepts into play here. But we do know with a guy like Geno Smith that he does his best work in the two-minute situations and two-minute drills. I mean, he does good work out, outside of that, but I mean, he's been at times just an assassin inside of two minutes. I'm talking inside of two minutes and a half, inside of two minutes of the game. And um, if that's the case, you're kind of at times running some of those concepts that you would be, you know, running within it. And um, I, there's a potentially could work. You do have guys in JSN that can work a little bit more of that inter- intermediate stuff that's absolutely required if you're going to run the raid, you know, and then you do have the field stretchers as well. So there's, it's not that you can't, you couldn't make it work. You know, you just kind of have to pull out the yak aspect of it a little bit and find your way to make it, you know, build around that. I think the other thing with it is that you have to also find the adjustment because the the whole thing with if you're going to run, and it's not really an air raid, by the way, it's just, I'm shorthanding this a little bit because the quick way to encapsulate an offense really fast without having to go paragraph every time you describe uh, the way Grub runs his, his deal, the way he runs it, but the run, the commitment to the ground game and the run game, you know, Mike Leach, God bless him, seven, 70% pass to run rate would sometimes be what you might get. And uh, with Walker and Charbonnet with the NFL, I don't think we're at a place where we can really roll like quite like that. We got a lot of offensive uh, playmakers and guys can catch the ball, but if you're going to be throwing it 70 times like that, then you better be hitting Walker and Charbonnet out of the backfield collectively 75 times over the course of the season. Which, again, you could maybe find that adjustment within it. Maybe not too crazy to think. And you do have an offensive line right now. You're talking about <laughs> presumptive starters. Uh, Charles Cross pass blocks better than he run blocks. Lucas probably pass blocks maybe just a bit hair better than he run blocks when he's healthy. Oluwatimi is more of a pass blocking background than he is a run blocker. Just saying. <coughs> just saying. But uh, thank you, Snell. It would be very interesting to see what the iteration of it would look like. And Grubb is a name, 47 years old. was about to head to Alabama. Probably was going to do some work there at Alabama. And his name was going to continue to rise. So this is you maybe getting out ahead of this one on that one as well for a guy that down the line uh, line might uh, be a, a real bright candidate. He's the front runner. Shamrock, thank you for subscribing to the channel. Shamrock463, appreciate you for doing that. We're on the road here, folks, now, looking our way ahead here to 20,000 subscribers. That's the next goal. So hopefully this next year, I think we'll put that as a nice, good, soft goal here as uh, we just rounded. I think today is actually our channel, uh, right around the channel birthday. But uh, we, uh, we're moving to a new year. That's the new goal. If we can pull to it. Thank you, Shamrock. Barry Satoro, woo, thank you for the $20 donation, Barry. It didn't have anything in your comment. You might have a comment down in the chat. We'll, uh, I'll look for it down below if you got it posted down there. But thank you, my friend, for the $20 donation. One of my OGs. I think you were, Barry, uh, like 73 subscriber or something back in the old days. So uh, thank you for that, man. I appreciate the donation. And uh, it's great to see you in the house tonight. I want to do these, try to do these quick bonus shows as I can every once in a while, folks. Kind of fit in 
few more, especially when we got some kind of breaking news like we did yesterday. Didn't have a chance to go live. And I did want to kind of talk over this one with you guys a little bit because I don't think it's any small hire, especially if the team is uh, not going to be looking to uh, um, go out and uh, actually get a DC, if this is your DC, effectively speaking. But I appreciate you, Barry. Thank you so much for that. Rand says, I love the Fraser hire. Me too. Mark, how you doing? Please remind me on too as well. Hitting that like button, folks. Um, Daniel Berry, what's up? Mr. Grubb, hello, hello, hello. Is that you, Mr. Grubb? Is that our new OC? So, Jace, the new OC, I, I think I haven't really gotten, I'm not sure we're going to get a new DC, Jace, on that first. And then as far as the new OC goes, I don't. I, 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 I'm, I'm hard-pressed on this one. I don't think that there's the great, great candidate out there right now. I probably would have been on the Arthur Smith hire with the running back talent that you have and, and what he would bring as far as his knowledge and understanding of that. But I think all of these guys right now I've heard bandied about would be pretty close. I like Grubb a little bit more than Engelstrad. Chip Kelly would be just buck wild. Chip Kelly would be Frank the Tank from old school. You know, we're going streaking. We're going streaking. Fill it up again. Fill it up again. Yeah, that's what you're going to get with Chip. So I don't, I don't know if we can go the, 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 Kelly might be just a bit too much for the NFL. A little bit too much, a little bit too much, Chip. But, um, I mean, Grubbs, Grubbs sounds as good as any I've heard so far that we've, we've been pushing over, been pushing around. I haven't heard a lot of other really good names that you know, jump out to me. So I'm going, well, it's, it's, you could definitely do worse. And he is a, I do like somebody with a little, that got the modernized approach. We're going to maximize this offensive talent. We're probably not going to do it on the back of a 1997 offense. Right? So I do like that. I haven't gotten sold to it fully yet. I'm waiting to get kind of fully pulled in and sold to it, I suppose. But, uh, uh, you know, it seems it, it, it's an interesting one, at least. I'm not down on it, I'll say that. Uh, Messiah Hamandi, you uh, heard my call and uh, answered it. I really appreciate you for doing that, subscribing to the channel. Hope I didn't butcher, butcher your name too much on that. But uh, thank you so much for... Subbing up to the channel, it's really appreciated. I'd love to get up to that 20,000 mark this year if we can keep just rounding the bend as we do. And uh, so, hello, thank you for helping me get there. I really do appreciate it. Scott Proctor, you as well, answered the call. Thank you for that, Scott. Uh, welcome aboard the SS Hawks Nest. And thank you for coming aboard. It's much appreciated. Peter Go Hawks with a $5 donation. Peter, great to see you in the house tonight. And thank you so much for that donation says, with all of the new changes in mind, what do you think their first three picks in the draft are now? Also, if it was you, who would your first three picks be? Let's effing go! <laughs> I added the extra because you had exclamation points after every letter. So that's a scream to me. Well, Peter, first, you're awesome. And thank you for the donation. Uh, with the new changes in mind, the first three picks. Mm -hmm. well, I think McDonald has grown to understand the value and benefit of 
a middle linebacker. I think Leslie Frazier is going to tell them all about Justin Poyer and Micah Hyde and what it's like having great safeties back there that can do it all. The Hawks need themselves some offensive linemen. So what do you think their first three picks will be in the line? I don't know if it'll be in this order, but let's go with interior offensive line, guard or center. That's one. Uh, you got to give me both on that, Peter, because it's going to be center or guard. Then we'll go with uh, middle linebacker. And then as a, as a one that'll strike some people as odd, but I'm also buying that this is going to come on the heels of Diggs and Adams not being here anymore. You're also then going to go get uh, a safety. So they're, they're your first three picks. Um, I think that's what they will kind of lean to something like that, Peter. Who would be my first three picks? I set some people off. I triggered some people when we did the first mock about two weeks ago because I went offensive line crazy, crazy town. Okay. I painted the town an offensive lineman. I, w I wanted, I want to build a great offensive line. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not going to apologize for being pro offensive line. Okay. I know. I know. I know what this all means. Boring. But hey, I, uh, I, I really believe in it. So if I was going through the first three picks, I would probably do something along the lines of guard center, middle linebacker, guard center, one tech, you know, nose tackle, something like that, Peter. I really believe in rebuilding back the lines of scrimmage. I'd love to get the linebacker. Part of the reason why I've been a big advocate for Schneider can trade back not once but twice in that first round. Hell, trade all the way out of the first round if you got it to pick up extra picks there in the top 100 because you you not only need to build some guys to get de defensive pieces that fit to what McDonald wants to do, but you also need to get your offensive line on the interior fixed and built up properly, which I'm anticipating the team's probably going to do. But uh, thank you, Peter. It's great to hear that you're stoked as I am. Glad I'm not the only one. And then certainly that seems to be where the fan base is right now and it is uh, a great place to be. Rand of the Cut, thank you for the $5 donation. I appreciate you for that, Rand. I feel like DK becomes a true number one this season. Mike will take one look at him and go, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you guys remember uh, the scene, Guardians of the Galaxy one there where the... The, uh, the raccoon catches the gun for the first time there in the prison. And, you know, catches that air. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's going to be the equivalent of what Mike McDonald gets on the first day of camp watching DK out there. And um, this is now what I think is going to happen with DK as we go into the future is you're going to see DK maximized. I think one of the biggest people that got inhibited by the fact that the team did not like to throw the intermediate parts of the field into the middle of the field, especially, was DK Metcalf. If you take that top off, you say, we're not going to lid this part of our offense up anymore. Let's unscrew this thing off and throw it to the corner. Now you have a potential for DK to attack all levels of the football field and not just have to run slants and goes and comebacks and out routes. Now we can feel more of the post routes up the field, more of the, the deep crossers that he hit in that Baltimore Ravens game. Remember that 50-yard deep crosser? Wasn't that wild to see? And you're like, why don't we see more crossers at DK? Because they finally this year for the first time started to actually run him out of the slot and not trying to run him out of the slot to have him do slot things, but to allow him to attack with his skill set out of the slot. 
specifically still get with depth up the football field to be able to attack on a level that the 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 the, uh, the defense can't easily anticipate to build their doubles or bracket coverages to. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's going to become that 14, 1,500-yard receiver this next year. And uh, we finally will get a DK Metcalf uncaged, you know, in my opinion. Lack of better term, that's what's basically happened here, you know. Put him in the birdcage. He threw the little covering over, and he still got you 1,000 yards a year, you know. Now we're going to stop clipping the wings. We're going to take the covering off. We're going to fling those bird gates open. Let him fly. Let him fly free. Let that hawk soar. But uh, thank you, Rand. Appreciate you. Nolan in the house, dropping a ten dollar donation. Thank you, Nolan, for that. I do appreciate you for that, brother. And uh, again, too, folks, we'll be doing a quick show tonight. So if we if we don't get your question tonight, I will be bouncing back over and uh, on tomorrow at our normal scheduled time at five o'clock as well. We'll be doing a deep light show tomorrow night. So if we don't get on to that night, we will be. Certainly getting onto it uh, as far as the QAs go tomorrow on that. But um, just want to put a heads up out there. Nolan, thank you for the $10 donation. Says Denver had Jerry Rosberg for Hackett. Uh, Denver had Jerry Rosberg for Hackett. I'd take Grubb. Add some seasoned assistance up in the box to help with any game management. Love the start to the staff so far. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Uh, Jerry Rosberg for <laughs> I was going to say, I guess I'm saying something that like Jerry Rosberg, and I guess that in itself, who's Jerry Rosberg? And then Nolan, I think you'd say exactly. Um, so having, having, you know, that was Hackett's support guy, I guess, right? Rosberg was his, that was his Leslie Frazier, you know, and this shows you the difference in two organizations and approaches uh, to bring on the head coach from one to the other and why one failed and one here has a much better chance for success. Um, because it's being done with a thoroughly smart approach all the way through. Uh, for some organizations, I know it sounds silly to say this, but there's a lot of organizations that do things for dumb reasons and put staffs together for silly reasons, or there's different inputs coming in for the wrong, wrong ideas in the room. And um, they're not doing that. But yeah, I've, uh, I, I think that they're doing everything great so far, Nolan, like you are as well. Um, I think Grub can work. I, I like your, your terminology of seasons, seasoned assistance. Um, in the box, get him some pros then around him that can be a support group there then for him, you know, because it is going to be like with Grub where you're like, okay, no, you're not going to get away with that here. <laughs> you know, no, you can't run that. You run that here with that. They're going to do this. And then your, your offense will get taken apart, you know, with that. If you go down that line with this sequencing or these, play, you know, don't do that. Uh, or do do this. Love what you're doing here. And then how about this? And how about this off of that? You know, also on the positive side of it. But, uh, Frazier to McDonald is perfect. He's going to be just that perfect guardian angel there, you know, just whispering every, every times and times. Just, yeah. Ah. Light of heaven coming down, you know. Don't go for it. Okay. Potter, Robert, Lee, Potter. Thank you for subscribing to the channel, Mr. Potter. I appreciate you again. Thank you folks for answering that call out there. It's a big aid to us. I'm trying to get that 20,000 marks. You're helping me get there a little bit closer at a time. We just passed that 15,000 mark, so it feels good. And uh, hopefully we can get there. We got a year. You can help me get there already. I know we're ways out, but look at Robert helping us get just a little inch, just an inch further closer there, getting it with that kind of stuff. So thank you for that, Robert. I appreciate you for that. 
Taker610, thank you for the $2 donation. Uh, Brendan suggested Frank Reich for OC. He did win a Super Bowl. I did kind of forget in the moment here about Frank Reich. So I guess Frank would maybe be a little bit more of a guy that I, I, may, I may want a little bit more in the... I would may want to look to have as more of the OC. Um, I will say with Frank, he has been an East Coast guy, kind of, you know, Indianapolis, Carolina, played at Buffalo. Is there, does he want to come out to the West Coast? Does he want to be, go be an OC at this point? Um, I think he's getting paid right now, even not to work. That's one of those things that he's, Frank's in that position too, is one of those coaches taker where it's, I think he still gets the money from Carolina and, you know, so there's not really anything financially as far as from that standpoint as a reason to do it. You, you, you got to do it for the love of the game at that point. And um, does Frank really want to do that? Now, if he did, would I, would I be open to it? Would I be maybe be even more on board with that than a, a grub? Yeah, I would. I would probably be a little bit more. Frank's going to be a little bit more of the old tried and true in his approach, but you also have a little bit more of, you know, you're getting with him. And we already have a little bit of the, the question aspect with uh, McDonald. I don't mind going full question mark, but if you got a little bit more of a certainty on one side of the ball, you can call upon, and especially for a guy like Frank, who with both of his coaching stops, he just didn't necessarily have the kind of offensive talent to get done and not to what he's going to have here. So Frank Reich was announced. I think that that would be, that'd make a lot of sense. That'd be a pretty smart hire as well. Probably pretty close to Taker, equally happy with Grub or Reich for different reasons. But uh, yeah, he's uh, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. And, you know, even with the stops that he didn't do well as a head coach, it's just Colts, they could never get him, never, never got him a quarterback. They just went out there and got all these old ass quarterbacks for him. They got Phillip Rivers at the end of his career and Matt Ryan at the end of his career. And then Carson Wentz broken down and, you know, Gardner Minshew and you know, just. You know, I don't think maybe they didn't have Gardner at that time, but the other three they did. So goes to Carolina and gets Bryce Young first year with a bad offensive line. Like who was going to succeed in that environment? So I'm not down on him at all. I'd be with it. DJ Jimenez, how you doing? Does give me Tanner for OC. Ingles strong. Ingles strong. I'm with it. I'm okay with it if they want to. You don't know what you're getting on that one. That's for sure. All pros, I like McDonald higher lot. I can see why they call him the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan of Defensive Minds. Yes. Well-earned title, all pro. And it's not one that's given out easily, I don't think, because there's not a lot of defenses doing what he's done. Not a lot of young defensive minds doing what he's done. I think the title, the title is fit. The title fits. If the shoe fits. Patrick Fox, I wish... Coach brings Chuck not Chuck Smith with him. I don't know much about Chuck Smith. Be cool if you could pull a few over though. John Hines, uh, Hawks knows what's your thought about T Martin uh, as a Hawks OC. I've not really been big on T Martin as a, a possibility. Sean, he's only quarterback coached one year there with Baltimore. Two years done the receivers coaching. No real OC background. No calling plays background. If you're going to take that kind of risk, then just go for a grub. At least grub's got to me a little bit more of the upside um, that he would bring versus that. So I don't think so. I also don't think that there's a part of me with this as we looked at the assistants there at Baltimore where I don't think that my instinct on this is McDonald's is not trying to necessarily pull and tear from um, Harbaugh's staff all over the place. 
you know, and from out of a bit of out of respect. I could be reading into it too much, but it feels just a little bit like that to me. Haley uh, says, and what's up, Haley? It's good to see you. His thoughts on uh, New York blocking Kafka from interviewing. <laughs> well, Haley, it's kind of a dick move by uh, New York. If your intention is going to be that you're probably going to fire DeBole next year, unless he has tremendous success for you this upcoming season. And thinking that DeBole, Dable, DeBole, I like to call him De DeBole. I, I turn into Chicago when I'm saying Brian Dable's name. Double. Uh, when uh, Dable um, fails next year and he gets fired, then Kafka gets fired and he's out of a job, Haley, you know? So it's like, hey, are we a year out from this thing being done anyway? You know? Like, you're going to maybe come back to Daniel Jones? <laughs> Picture New York ownership, old school New York mafia style, is holding like a butcher knife up to his throat in some... Italian kitchen. You're going to stay. You're going to be our offensive coordinator. You're going to do a better job. You hear? Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. He's got to wait. No, wait. Look at the Kafka face, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll be the OC. Okay. I get it. I get it. Do you get it? And I don't want to have to tell you again. I'll tell you once. I want to tell you again. You're the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. You're going to be that way for the foreseeable future. What have you done? What have you done to my son, table? I do nothing. You call an offense. It scores no points. I'm doing uh, Marlon the rest of the show. I'm doing, doing Marlon Godfather the rest of the show. You guys are going to have to deal with that. Uh, Eric Biedemi says, Mr. Poor, another, uh, another hire that I think would be pretty interesting. Another guy that you, you bring in after last year, having the offensive talent that he had with the Washington coming in here with what he'd have to work with here. You go, ooh, looking for a little bit more discipline on the offensive side of the ball. Eric would bring that. Um, these are all good suggestions. Uh, and I'd been kind of forgetting on a couple of these guys. Maybe a little more certain ground, too, than, than going the grub route. Like the enemy, Frank Reich, you know what you're getting. And that's not even saying you're just getting like the high floor, no ceiling. Right? You know you're getting at least as the good floor, and maybe there is some ceiling there to those guys too as well. But you know, Mr. Pork, the enemy seems to have that weird. One of the questions I'm going to ask Chad Brown about with, in regards to uh, when we have a chance to sit down here soon. Like, why is your old, your old teammate the enemy can't get no love? Josh says, "Why do you th uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Cut Adams, Diggs, Ballor, structure, release, Lockett, uh, Bobby potentially uh, out the door, bring in Patrick Queen and Geno Stone. Uh, I like it overall, man. I think with Lockett, I, I don't know if I need to necessarily restructure with him. I, I think that you can cut the rest of the guys across the board you mentioned. Josh, I'd add on that. Brian Monet and Dwayne Eskridge as other additional cuts. Um Patrick Queen is definitely going to be potentially a target for our Hawks. I'm going to eventually do a video of Patrick McQueen, Patrick Queen versus Jordan Brooks kind of video. I think that's going to be a little bit of what people are going to make it as sort of the, the decision therein of. Tech says, look, Eric Bienemy is just not a good coach. Yeah, it does seem like the breeze blows a bit in this way if you think about the interest he gets out there. 
Josh's grubs might be the only answer if we wait too long. Just might. Yep. Sounds like things are kind of in finalization mode potentially over the grubs. So this thing doesn't sound like it, it, he's not only the front runner, but like they're holding hands. They're, they're kissing down by the leg. I mean, it's a matter of time before the proposal comes through. That dude disgusted another dude. It'd be a surprise stream. Nice. Thank you, man. Gotta, gotta keep you guys off guards every once in a while. A little bit of some goodness here and there. And Nolan, thank you for reminding me of that. Please hit that like button for me if you guys could. I would appreciate it. Haley says, was hoping for Kafka and OC. Grub as a pass game coordinator. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. Giants are going to be all weird about it. They're, they're going to make it weird, Haley. That's going to make it weird. He wants to come here. Why do you want to hold on to him? He wants to come here. I wouldn't want to be yelled at by Dable. Dable was yelling at everybody on that sideline this last year. That guy's face was more red than Santa on Christmas. He was steam out of his ears. They couldn't wait on the telecast to go to the slow motion shots of Dable losing his mind. Come over to Steady Eddie. Come over to Mike McDonald. Come to the heart of the Caribbean. Nick says, does Grubb have any experience in the NFL beyond college? Not that I'm aware of. No, sir. John says, if uh, Seahawks hire Grubb as OC, we need to get air raid siren just to piss Grubb off. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Copper-wise, I wonder if the boys would let us have Shotty back. Probably not at this point. I'm guessing, I'm guessing no. I'm getting the sense there's a little bit of possession going on out there in some of these circles with these teams, with their coordinators. Henry Schmidt's a person love from uh, Nordenheim, Westfallen, if you know. Well, it's great to see you in here. And thank you, uh, Henry Schmitz, for checking out the channel, hopping on in. Aaron says, I thought I'd heard Grubb has essentially gotten the spot like 80% at this point. Was that wrong? Nope. That's inaccurate. I think that's accurate to what I'm hearing reported, Aaron. Uh, White Bird, great selection for our coaches. Who now for OC? If they nail it here, we're going places. They hit this one, and this is always the one we would wonder about White Bird when we said, if you're going to make this higher, now here becomes the real important one that does. And um, there are a lot of different variety of names. There's the untested at the college. There's the untested at the pros. T. Martin, there's the tried and true in the pros, your Frank Reich and uh, your Eric Bienemy types. There's your in Engelstrads with Detroit. So, but it does, what I am hearing, if we're looking for kind of dip, 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 breaking news, like even up to right before the show, we were hearing reports here that this was going to be um, Grubs, Grubs locked in. He's got missile lock, you know, he's got tone. So now they just need to pull in the betting. AI calls him Magic Mike. <laughs> Oompa says, love McDonald as head coach. Really like the idea of Frazier also. Me too, Oompa Loompa. Fantastic hire on his part. 
And I, open loop, I'm with you, man. I wish I thought I would have at this point had more of a certain um, guy in my mind that I wanted hired as well. And I'm, I kind of just, I don't exactly yet. There's not been one guy that's really swayed me over the top. Um, I haven't hated the names either, but. Dea tells his thoughts on uh, Spencer Rattler now after the Senior Bowl. Well, um, and Spencer Rattler was the the uh, player of the game in the the Senior Bowl, and um, we're gonna do a I'm gonna do a basically a centric show tomorrow on the Senior Bowl and a bit around that day, and we'll talk a little more on that too, of course, tomorrow. But uh, Rattler went out there and uh, he played a really good game, you know, to earn that earn the the. the the trophy did, you know, there were some short passes in there that were nice and easy. He hit the go ball down the sideline. And what stood out, I think, on the go ball route that he hit was that he recognized the cornerback's eyes were back to the quarterback late in the route and he was losing himself in phase. And the receiver then was going to create the separation just by the cornerback kind of, you know, when you're looking back for the ball and you're still trying to run down the field, you might have a tendency to kind of steer yourself towards the middle of the field a little bit like your body just kind of wants to you know pull that way this is before the quarterback throws it you know when you're 30 20 25 yards into the go ball into the go route so but he threw a great ball down there gave his receiver a chance to go up and get it displayed uh you know the quick arm action he's got back there the the pretty ball that he can throw um he was at he was what he brings you know he showed you he's got some a little bit of velocity he's got the accuracy throws a nice ball good easy throwing motion good decision-making in the pocket, something that stands out in this game and something that's going to be part of the evaluation that, that probably raises him up in this game even more so than it would a typical quarterback in this situation flooring in this typical game is that he's coming from South Carolina with that pressure rate at like 4.5% from last year, which is you know so much further away, higher than, than what the rest of the quarterbacks were dealing with in this draft. And his line was so much worse than the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft that you see him in a game like this where now he's actually getting some pass protection and, and he's getting some time to actually throw and go through his reads and he's able to really, you know, uh, do, do wonders. It does wonders with that. It just comes back to that old thing that I've been harping on for a while now recently, Day, which is that, you know, the quarterback position is much more impacted by the offensive line play and pass protection and what's going on up front up there a lot than it is by the quarter, than it is much more the quarterback just standing back there and throwing piss missiles all, all over the football field. But Rattler had a really good day, displayed what he's got. Does he push himself up into second round territory at this point? Can he push himself up into first round, top of first round territory at this point? Um, that seems to be the question. He is certainly firmly affixed into the third. He's probably pushed himself up into day two, though, minimum now. Um, maybe not high day two, but probably at least maybe you know late day two-ish kind of face uh, of things. Good day, though. AI says trade back to 32-32, draft uh, center powers, uh, Cooper Bay Bay, uh, Jenkins from uh, Michigan, and the defense is a great offense. That is. I'm good with that. Go in that role, man. You did what I wanted to do, AI. Just give me two, two linemen. Give me two linemen early on. Interior linemen. You know, build it and build it well. You know, I want to field of dreams this bitch. You know, if you build the offensive line, the offense will be good. What? Who said that? Who's saying that? Who's saying that? That's John Schneider in his backyard right now. He's back there and he's just like, you know, 
checking on some shrubbery and he's over there just, you know, have you built an offensive line? Okay. Emily's probably too old for many of you youngsters here in the audience. Haley's got us going defensive tackle, middle linebacker, OG safety. Smart, Haley. I can see it. I definitely see it. Peter says, hit, you hit the scream. Let's up and go on point. And as of adding online, I'm in 100%. Maybe not center because I think I have that guy, but guard 100%. Let's go. I'll take either one. I am picky on it, Peter. Just give me two. Why get one when I can buy two for double the price? That's all I'm saying. Uh, Garth Knight with another uh, $5 donation. Thank you for that, Garth. This is, can we please get Jim Tom Sula on Brian Dibble's table? I don't know why I can't say his last name tonight. Uh, Jim Tom Sula on Brian Dable's staff. Any more mob types to add to the New York staff? Brian Dable, come here for a moment, please. Y yeah, what is it? What is it? Uh, what do you need? We got, to, we got some coaching to do. I got just drawn some plays up. The plays can wait. They're not going anywhere. I want to introduce you to somebody. This is a friend of ours, Jim Tom Sula. Jim, say hi. How you doing there? Hey, Brian, what's up? What, what is this, uh, Don? I, I, I've got to get back to my plays. I... He's going to be your new defensive coordinator. I heard you had problems with Wing Mondale. I don't want you to have problems no more. No, you have no problems. We have no problems, right? Uh, look. Look at my chest hair, Brian. Look at my chest hair. That'd be a great uh, combination, though, Garth. I'd go with it. Garth with another fiver says, uh, I'm a yes on Kingsbury because he vacations in the same Thailand locations as myself. <laughs> Gary Glitter, Billy Idol, and Deshaun Watson frequent. <laughs> Brave of Brave of you to throw yourself in that in that camp. <laughs> oh, Garth. You always make me laugh, man. <laughs> Not Billy. Billy Idol, too? Billy catching strays? Billy catching Thailand strays? Not Billy. Billy want more, more, more? <laughs> Come on. Not the idol. I can get Gary Glitter. I get Deshaun, but not Billy. Don't say that. Whack wedding. Uh, Byron P. Thank you for subscribing to the channel, Byron. Welcome aboard the Hawks Nest or back aboard the Hawks Nest. Appreciate you for doing that. And thank you, Gart, the double donation and making me laugh. Robert Fowler, let's get Grub. Why aren't we interviewing him? Robert, I, they, I do believe they're interviewing him or at least they're in talks. I mean, everything's where we're here reporting. I, I think beyond interviewing, I think they're in final stages right now. He might be literally putting pen to paper as we speak. Uh, GT says, your Brandon, your cat is looking at me. What's the cat's name? The cat's name is Pumpkin and she's just looking at you because she can tell you haven't subscribed. When she's giving you that look, it's the same look I get when she wants salmon. You know? She knows. She's looking at you. Yeah, she knows you out there. She knows you haven't hit the button. That's her looking at that's that's why you'll see her do this. 
She'll look at she'll look at you at the camera, and then she'll look down, look at you, look down, look at you, look down. Like, hey, sub the the sub button, the sub button right there. That's all she's doing. But her name is Pumpkin, and she's a very very cutie cat. You can see she's even doing the technique there with the little arm over move there. It just has an extra layer of cuteness to it. Now she's going to let me know what's up. Who do you want for the offensive coordinator? Are you a grub girl? What about Frank Reich? I'm much on the Frank Reich one, I guess. Engelstrad? Um, the enemy? Oh. She sounds like a grub girl to me. Then that's a grub? Yep. Been decided. The kitty has decided. Don, Don, how you doing? Brand of the Cut, I love that your shirt includes Alaska. Being a Hawks fan, I grew up in, I grew up in Alaska. It's long of what I say about this, you know, Rand, is I don't ever think of Seahawks fans as, especially being that I've, I've been living all over the state and I've lived in the territories around in the Pacific Northwest and then it's not relegated to simply Seattle, Western Washington. It's an unusual one in that versus other, I think, sports franchises, franchises that are literally just into a city. You know, we, I do believe, I know everything I've heard about Alaska is that that is, a, we are Alaska, Alaska is us. You know, Vancouver, Washington, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia is part of the 12 nation. You know, Oregon, Idaho, Mont Western Montana, parts of Hawaii where you go. Or these people like yourself, you know, have grew up and been Hawk fans since the start. Why wouldn't they be every bit of 12 as tried and true as anybody else? And and I that's why I love this shirt as well, is it really captured that and that you're right. And it's a, it's it's everybody in it. Should have a little bit of the green even down on this on some of the islands here, but yeah, at least they got the green into the into the part. And uh we own a lot of territory, us uh, us Hawk fans. We do. Loco, with the pieces you all think, I think Greg Roman would be a cheap, really good fit as OC. I think Greg's about to get hired somebody else, somewhere else. I, think, I don't know if it was the Raiders I saw. Let's look real quick. I think Greg Roman's about to be hired, though. Chargers. So Harbaugh's bringing back his OC, his old OC. Misfit says, why are the Giants being dicks? Let Kafka move to a better situation. <laughs> well, you know, we've all had, we've all known people been in those relationships where, you know, they're with a, they're with a dick and maybe guy to girl, girl to guy, and they, they just can't get away from them. You know, they've got some kind of hold over them. In this case, I guess it's contractual. But it does seem a little bit like, come on, who wants to go let him go? Robert would grub leave Alabama. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, I I think a lot of um, a lot of these guys at the college level are going to see start to shoot their way up into the NFL a little bit faster, rather than stay at the college level for a little bit more extra time, because I think the NIL is making things a bit of a pain in the ass, and it's making everyone's job at the, at the coaching level much much harder in college. Ryan Pittman's with it. He wants Ryan a grub for OC as well. I'd love to see it, man. We don't know by tomorrow. We'll run a we'll run a poll on tomorrow's show. If uh, we aren't 
We don't got confirmation yet. Craig says Tanner Ingstrad for senior offensive supervisor. I'm with it. I didn't even know that title existed. Jay Stern says New York's such a trash franchise. Literally poverty. <laughs> Jesse Lund, watch us draft all the players we actually want in the way the Ravens do every year, it seems. I think you will uh, see that. One thing that was standing out is a little bit of Schneider had that story, Jesse, he was talking about in the press conference when talking about McDonald's, about how there's been this ongoing thing between the franchises in Seattle and, and the Ravens through the years where they, they always seem to jump in front of each other and grab the player the other one wanted, you know, that, they, that they've been targeting through the years, kind of some of the similar players. Kind of a, a neat tidbit from John. Metcalf season says, the only thing I'm begging for from the new OC is more DA. I think that is just what you're going to get. I think you're going to get that in a, a big, big measure here throughout the year. I'm predicting 1,400 yards, yards off DK next year if he can remain healthy. Puppet Master, I can't help but be excited about the Hawks' future. Mac seems really, uh, Mac really seems to have his head together. For me, the future looks brighter. I think that this move was a necessary one, and I think to your point on what this has done, Puppet Master has energized the fan base in a way that they've been so, sort of, I think, lang not going to say the word languishing, but there's been maybe a bit of a malaise in the state of things over the last few years. And it's not that people aren't supporting the team or haven't been supporting the team, but I think there's been a lot of kind of a the silent checking out um, and that you're getting now more of a spirit that feels like more engaged and more back into this and seeing how the plan can work and seeing where the vision can take this thing. And uh, that's great to see. And I think it's, it's rightful optimism, uh, you know, and uh, I feel it as well. Haley says, Yox OC interview, be like, what are your thoughts on the middle of the field? Yeah, exactly. Do you have whole points of the field that you just decide to ignore for general reasons? For fear-based reasons, like wanting to avoid turnovers? Uh, no. Cool. Probably something like that. Uh, suspicious Stench, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, I am in Alaska. Plenty of Hawk fans up here. I've run across many Hawk uh, Alaska folks through the years. Many, 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 many. And I've always been, it's something suspicious. I've always just kind of asked them about because I've been curious. You know, I love the thought of it. I'd love that, you know, you, you guys have that connection down to us and that you look at it in that way. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like the team should probably try to maybe at times celebrate that fact that they've got that, you know, whole state of people or a big part that do view it in that way. And uh, I think it's just, it's just awesome that we're so, we got such a big area, you know, it's, a, it's proper too to being out in the West, you know, the frontier, the great wide open, having these big old, huge areas of area that we all love the same team, rooting for the same team. Uh, it does warm the heart, you know, you got all these teams back out in the East, you got three teams in one state like Florida, like, well, we've got 30, don't, we got about 30 square miles of fandom, you know, from about like Tepper Avenue, up to Mulholland, that's that's Jacksonville fans, and from Kingsley down on to Barnhart, all right. Now that's gonna be Tampa Bay, all right. But now you go on back over to to Sicily Drive, and you take that on down to the 
to the ramparts. Well, that's that's my that's Miami territory right there. That's dolphin time right there. Not here. You know, you got Seattle? Yeah, no, you're in Seattle. You're a Seahawks fan. Okay. And you keep going out east? Yeah. You go about five hours out east, just keep driving. Just keep going. You'll get the bank. There's Seahawks fan. Okay. Then you go another about another three, four hours minimum. You're gonna get out to, you know, western Montana. Okay. And, and including Idaho and that quarter lane in there too. Those are all Hawk fans. All right. And you go south down there, you know, Boise, out to Pocatello, Idaho Falls. On there, come back out, I'll sweep back out into the west side, go all the way through Oregon. You know, it's basically all of Oregon. Maybe, maybe we'll give we'll give the Niner fans a little bit of the, the far little bottom slice of Oregon. We'll give them that maybe. And go all the way back, get your get your butt up to Alaska through all of uh, Vancouver. It's great. Uh appreciate you though, Stench. And go Alaska. Go Hawks. Garth Knight, thank you for the five dollar donation and all of your donations tonight, Garth. You're very kind, kind as ever. Says Brando. You get that autographed Chad Brown card I sent you. Honestly, it wasn't too expensive. I just need to know uh, if I need to send Tom, Tom Sula to fix problems. I'm, I'm talking tonight. I think it went to the other address. So I've got to ask my buddy tonight. And I've got to get you, Garth, my other updated address. So that when you, if you do send stuff, because I've got a new Addy to send you. But I think, I, I think he's gotten it. He's just been running right and left. So I'll find out tonight from him if he's, uh, if he's picked it up. Because I'd love to get that up if you got that. I want to grab, get that up on the wall for sure, especially with this new camera, because now I got the extra space, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, they put it on in there, Garth. So I want that. I want that. But thank you for the donation. Thank you for sending it. And I will, um, I'll let you know by tomorrow's stream. I'll know by tonight. So I'll let you know. I just haven't connected with him, but he's good about putting it aside. And he knows to be on the lookout for that stuff if something pops up. So I should be able to learn very quickly what's, what's happening with that. But thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Hawks, oh, thank you for the $5 donation. If the Hawks choose to sign Justin Matabuke and not Leonard Williams, would you still consider that a waste? Would you still consider that a wasted pick? Obviously, hypothetical situation. Um, well, I hadn't, I, I guess first, just because I think you might be confusing me with maybe somebody else, because just, just on the front part of it, you said you've got the, the, you've got the word still in there. So right now, I don't consider Leonard Williams a wasted pick. Um, so I'll say that point first. But I don't. I, I understand what I, I understand the nature of your question. So let's let me let me kind of back it up from the nature of your question. Um, if you Leonard, if you lose Leonard Williams this offseason, it doesn't in itself make it a wasted pick. If you lose Leonard Williams and there's no compensatory return, then it does make it a wasted pick. And if you're going to sign Justin Matabuke, then you've basically decided to take a pass on any sort of compensatory return on either side of things. So, I, I, yeah, that kind of would take it into a wasted pick because you could lose Leonard Williams right now, play the compensatory game, get back maybe even as high as a third round pick back for him down the road. And while that's not equivalent value to what you gave up, it's also not a wasted pick. And so that's a bit of a part that I'd say would factor into this for me a little bit, Hawk. So just a bit, but yeah, if you're flipping between the two, it becomes wasted because there's no compensatory. There's no retaining. You're paying Justin Matabuke more money than you're going to pay, pay Leonard Williams at that point. Um, so yeah, it would be, it would be in that range for me. I'll also say, I do believe that one of the reasons I think Queen is going to be a free agent and Patrick Queen is going to be in the Seahawks target signs as a guy they're going to try to bring here is that Matabuke is going to be probably the guy to be franchised. Ravens can't franchise both. You franchise Matabuke, you let, you let Queen walk. 
not because Queen's not a good player, but because you've already paid Roquan Smith all of the money at the middle, other middle linebacker position. Brian E says, Reich. Sorry, I'll take Kingsbury before I take Reich. I get it. I, boy, I can't with Kingsbury. Not me, man. I can't with him, Brian. I, that guy just seems like he just keeps failing upwards. He's going to go out to USC, you know? He's going to make Caleb Williams better. Caleb Williams is not better. The offense is not improved with his presence there. Okay, now you're going to be an OC at the pro level. <laughs> what? What? Okay. Misfits says Reich looks older than Pete Carroll. Well, you would too if your quarterbacks in three successive years were Philip Rivers at 44 years old, Matt Ryan at 39 years old, and Carson Wentz with none of his body held back together again well. Like they did not put Humpty Dumpty back together on that one at all. Swedish Shinobi says Gino's going to be serving up some Grubhub next season. Ooh, I like that Swedish Shinobi. I think I think I just I just think I found one of my comments I'm going to steal from for a title at some point. Aturo says I grew up in South Anchorage. I can confirm that Alaska is Seahawks country. I love to hear that. That's so great. That's what I've heard too. We are it is a Seahawks nation. It's not about it being just a state or whatever. It's about the nation taking over. Talking about America's team, you can't even take over your state, cowboys. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Casey says Alaskans are mostly Seahawks, except the military guys. Let's go. Gopper, I grew up 30 minutes from Green Bay as a Hawks fan. I've lived all over the U.S. and Germany and never wavered. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. And that's why I say it. it's like it ain't it ain't about where you're you're from. If you've got your you put your flag in that ground at one point, that's my team, and you've rolled the ups and the downs, the ins and outs, don't matter, you know. Australia, Germany, 30 minutes away from Green Bay. Truth is truth. Jesse says all the deadliest catch dudes from Seattle help rep it in AK. That's cool. I did remember I saw the old clip in that. Um, one of the more brutal clips was them on that deadliest catch show playing the second Super Bowl, you know, the final play. And they're just, they're like talking through what they're hearing about the play and they're just blown away. Like they didn't run it. <laughs> but that's awesome. Shout out to Alaska. Thanks for holding down up there. We know you guys are doing, we know you guys are doing the hard work, doing the good Seahawk work up there. Casey, Casey McCracken says, I'm Alaskan. Let's go. Let's go. Snail says Kafka should have gotten a prenup. He did. He was so excited to get the marriage. He never thought about the fact that he might want to one day leave. And now he's stuck. Dable and the Giants are just that bitter alcoholic husband over there in the corner. Shotgunning the whiskey with them, with them evil eyes. Them evil eyes. Puppet Master, I think it would be so fitting to get a commemorative plaque for Pete Carroll on the Pike Place gum wall. <laughs> on the gum wall? <laughs> yeah, I think it's more as cool Bree says. It's, it'll be a Pete Carroll statue. I think what you should have is I think you should have a Pete Carroll statue and like him going to shake Paul Allen's hand. You know, they're like, 
going to shake, you know, or they're in the middle of a shake because they both deserve one out there. They both do deserve it. Metcalf says McDonald said he wants to work with uh, what players are good at and how do you think they'll use DK this upcoming season? Ready for a modern team. Well, I think DK is uh, going to mainly see the benefits here on two main spots, I would say, Metcalf. Uh, more willingness to bend him into the slot at times and, and work him out of that spot. Uh, not to turn him into a slot receiver, not to turn him into Michael Thomas, but to allow him to be able to then pull some of the double teams off and the bracket coverages that he gets with, especially the cover two looks. So you're going to see that first. I think the second thing that you're going to see is um, more of a willingness to target the middle of the field and intermediate portions of the field. Those two spots, especially, they've kind of leaned away from at times and given in times and games. And I think that that's going to happen a lot less now. So those should amp up a bit of the production. I also think that there's just going to be more of an onus in getting him featured to your point about McDonald working the strength of his team. There'll just be a little bit more pushed upon, hey, let's get this guy featured. This is a big part of our offense. This is in a lot of ways almost where our offense should kind of begin from. How do we work from this starting place? Uh, Blue Hawk 206, Orange Cats are a necessity of life. The cats need some NIL money for cat treats. No, she had herself some good, the reason she's sleeping right now, she had some salmon here before the stream today. So she is, she is, uh, she's chilling. You know what I mean? She's, she's happy and she's chilling right now. Belly full of that. Look at how big the belly is right now. That's salmon belly. That's cat salmon belly you're looking at right there. She's, so she's pure. She's in a food coma. Uh, cool Breeze's Pumpkin makes the stream go over the top. Not going to lie. Well, thank you. That's the intended effect, man. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping to hit. Cyrus Frank Smith for OC. I'd love to see it. The one thing that does maybe is I think a little bit more about it. Cyrus go, man, maybe not is that, you know, Miami's whole attack is yeah. Pre and post snap motion, but it's also getting the ball in the player's hands in short space, bam. And then letting them work their yak. I don't know if you have a, a collection of yak guys across the board on this team right now with your skill position guys. Jeffrey Kelly, depending on who I feel, depending on who we get, I feel like DK is going to have an explosive offensive rookie of the year type. I think you meant just offensive offensive player of the year. I think is what he meant. Like 1,700 yards and 15 touchdowns. I think he's got the capability of putting that kind of year up, Jeffrey. It takes the right system and the right approach and the right willingness to target him to get that kind of production because you got a guy, you're going to get him the ball 150, 160, 170 targets a season to get to there. But he's fully capable of doing it. Cool Breeze says, we need a pumpkin-only stream soon. No offense, Brando. I, I could probably do a, a Twitch stream all day where I just put a camera on her. and It would probably do pretty well, to be honest with you. Might be an interesting experiment to just try for the hell of it. Just turn it on stream one day and I'll put it on her and it'll just have the background. It's just her doing this. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> I'd be sad as if it went to like 30,000 subs. <laughs> really? Really? My cat? Uh, Arturo says, for Alaska, Washington is like our cousins. Alaska and Washington are like the Oman and Yemen, like that. I, I concur. Now I look at it too. Sister states, brother states, however you want to put it.
Jesse Lund, are you going to do the pumpkins picks again with the food? Laugh my ass off. I might. I'll put it to the vote of the fandom if they want to see that again. But I'm open to doing it. She liked it, no doubt. Extra salmon. Stealing grub. Brian E says, Grub sounds like a good fit with his resume as an O-line coach, especially if we get uh, if we can score a good couple of o interior O-linemen. Shouldn't have to sorry about pass protection. Shouldn't have to worry about sorry pass protection. Nope. We should be much better on that part of it. I agree. I totally agree there. And uh, yeah, he's hopefully, hopefully a little bit more of an onus on the offensive line if he comes in. And that Washington line did a good job. And uh, Rosengardner and Troy Fotanu, those guys look like they're going to be very good pros. Robert Fowler, what percentage do I think we'll get grub? As somebody else said above, Robert, it seems about at 80% right now. It feels very close. Very close. Blue Hawks 206 pumpkin stone cold look of the new era. <laughs> Big Hawk trade up and get a stud quarterback in the draft will cost a lot, but they have shown not to be afraid to do it. Hence, Leonard Williams deal. They've been willing in the past, Big Hawk, to uh, give up draft picks for players. The one thing that they've never done 14 years under John Schneider, though, not even up a, not even up a space, not even a single space in the first round. You have never moved up in the first round at all. Always it's been to move back. But if they went that road, I'm not against it, Big Hawk. I'm not down on it. But if we're, if we're just looking to what they've done as far as their uh, trends, historically speaking, it's we're going to... Uh, we're going to add picks more than we're going to let go of picks. And I think that second round pick being lost is going to just push them to try to add more picks than it is to lose more. Kevin O'Connell wins the move to San Diego. I don't know where it's uh, maybe coming up soon. Next couple of months, probably. Mr. Dog says very few teams dominate like five different states. Exactly, man. Part of what makes it so unique. I feel bad at times for the Oregons, the Idahos, the Montanas, the Alaskas that can't have a team. But at the same point in time, it's nice to have all that fandom in. And I love it. Love it. Uh, Hawks, oh, whoops, still was a poor choice. Williams was definitely worth the pick. Oh, okay, there we go. I, I figured you meant it a certain way. Somehow I was probably, the still was just throwing me off on it. But yeah, it's worth the pick if you can get some compensatory back. Because I don't, here's the thing with that. If I'm playing a compensatory long game and I make a go for a move like that with the second round pick, but that, that I'm getting back the third or the fourth round compensatory back, do I want my general manager hesitant in moments at the trade deadline not to make moves because he's worried about losing two rounds of selection point from a given draft? I don't want that to factor in like that. And if I lose that two rounds of selection point because I've had a go for it manager to try to add a player to take me over the top. I want that to be more of a pathway of an approach by my general manager rather than being fear-based or holding onto those draft picks like they're, you know, what, what, you know, timeless, um, you know, there, you can't put any value on these picks. You know, it's one of those things like, no, you know, be willing, be willing to will and deal at times. Don't hold on to them like with the death grip. So, but if you get nothing on it, if there's a zero on the other end of that, then that obviously changes the changes the nature of the beast there. Lethal Lance just joined now. How much was Grub discussed? 
we haven't talked a ton about him other than I think we think he's your front runner right now, Lethal. And obviously, if he's hired, I'll do a full show on him where we'll, I'll, I'll do a, a full breakdown on his background and you know, what led us to him and all that other stuff. But he's an exciting, I think he's probably maybe the most exciting of the candidates out there right now. And he does look like the guy close to being the, being the guy. Um, uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you for that as well, Garth, all the donos. Uh, if there is one thing tied to Pete's legacy outside of the Super Bowl, it's wasted picks. Now, we don't know who was truly responsible, but one guy got fired. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it sort of uh, comes out in the wash, right, Garth? You may not know the answer, but the wash will tell you. And uh, I think if we're looking at John Schneider and looking at some of those those trades that went down that didn't go right or, you know, who was pushing for some of these deals to let's go for it in the moment, you know, and was that one guy throughout that process making those pushes to do that? Was it both of them? Were they, did they both have an equal amount of bad, you know, trade selection ideas that they made through that time? One drove one, another one drove another, you know, like Schneider drove the clowny, uh, Carol drove the Adams, you know, Carol drove the, um, the Leonard Williams, Schneider drove the, 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 uh, Sheldon kid out of New York that they took the, the, the New York giants defensive tackle they traded for, you know, could it, who knows on that? Like you say, who, who knows? But uh, I would kind of logically deduce the same way you did on that one, right? Like that, do, that does tell a story a little bit about the fact that one's fired, one's not. As to maybe, especially understanding that the guy that got fired had more power than said general manager at that time. Had more power to make any and all of those moves if he wanted to do so. But I think Pete's, I think that the Pete's legacy at the end of the day is going to be remembered as a winner and as one of the... Uh, better to the greater coaches that we've had come through, maybe not just from a pro standpoint, but in this throughout recent football history, when you consider in the work he did in college, he'll be a hall of famer, uh, rightfully so earning all of those accolades and marks in his outlook as a coach and who he was, you know, my, from my standpoint, I, it, it did rough out at the end. It did get bumpy at the end. Um, but I, I don't think that that's going to, neuter him or, or neutral did it did it do that to tom landry you know landry had a a lot of pittering out there at the end but tom still revered and looked upon very brightly by the cowboys fan base and how they they look at his contributions to that organization and what he did as a coach i think the same thing will be with, there with pete too thank you though garp appreciate the donation eric cotter thank you for the fiver as well do we bring brett do we bring wagner Diggs, and or adams back who stays or who goes I believe that the cut list will work like this, Eric. Uh, Post-June 1st designation for Adams. Uh, Jamal Diggs is, just becomes a cut. Uh, Nick Ballore, Brian Monet, Dwayne Eskridge. Those become your other immediate cuts that are no-brainers. Um, you're going to clear about $34 million between all of those cuts collectively. That might be just enough in itself. With um, Wagner, I do believe that he comes back mainly because you've got to add two linebackers as it is. So it's going to be a tough task as it stands to try to add two inside middle linebackers at once. Then the question would come and be posed, do you want to have to have two middle linebackers on rookie who are rookies at the same time, you know, or a Mick, um, uh, you know, a Mike and a Will that are two rookies at the same time? Maybe not. Maybe not with that. So um, that, again, leads you back around to, okay, well, how, how do we... Um, How do we turn that then 
you know, at that point. So I think you go, well, Wagner comes in, he showed last year, he's not asking for all the money, comes in on a one year, five, $6 million deal. Um, you pair him in with maybe a, a Patrick Queen and uh, run with that as your set. So I think Wagner's got the best chance of any of them to stay. And it's certainly a shot in the dark, but I think that he's going to remain Eric. I think the organization's going to want to remain. He's got the leadership that he brings in the locker room, the knowledge he brings in that locker room. You're going to play him in a different role than you played him in this past year. So less of him spot dropping 20 yards back and trying to pick up receivers on crossing routes going uh, down the middle, you know, down the middle of the field while he's at a dead stop sitting in his own. I think there's a lot of that. So those would be my list, Eric. I feel pretty confident on that with those five, five guys that I itemized as to who will be cut. There's so much money you can save between the collection of those guys and hard to understand why you would retain any of them at this point. Appreciate you though, Eric. Thank you for the uh, donation. Eric Cotter, we haven't gotten grub yet. I'm saying 80%. It sounds, it sounds very, very close. They played footsies under the table. They did that thing where the little fingers are like finally getting to holding hands. Okay. He's put his arm over her and we put our arm over. We're, we're getting close. Okay. We're not the second base yet, but we're getting close. Look back at it. Says I've seen shrimp getting 300 views on Twitch. I know I, I, it makes me think. I just sit over here and I'll get, I'll put the mic right next to her. So if she, if she cries out, you can hear it. It might be funny just to see what happens. <laughs> oh, jeez. Al Bundy, uh, is your cat always beside you during your pod and beside you in your house? She's a lot of the time if I'm up here working next to me. When she hears me up here talking, every time she's coming up for the stream. So yeah, I don't think she's missed a stream here in a long period of time where she doesn't some point or another, if she's out doing laying somewhere else or out eating or whatever, she comes up here and hangs out. She's always good like that. I didn't train her to do it. She just naturally, she's kind of a ham, you know, Al? She's just kind of a ham. So, what she does. Lee Lance, do you think Kobe Bryant can play safety in the scheme, seeing as how McDonald liked his safeties to play man? Um, they've kind of bounced in between two different positions the past two years, and it hasn't really worked great. Lethal, I don't know if Kobe's really a safety. I, I kind of think Lethal, he's at his best as maybe a corner when it's all said and done. So I, he didn't perform well out there at safety this past year putting him in a different man-based coverage situation. I don't think that's going to be better for him either because he played mainly zone at Cincinnati. So it's, he doesn't really have a lot of, flu, he's not really fluid in uh, man-based cover concepts. I know he did some slot last year, but even we play a lot of zone out of that. Haley says, personally, I look at Williams' sunk cost from moving on from Pete. If we resign him, nice, but we shouldn't overpay just because of that second. No, I don't think you should overpay either. I don't. I do think that you do got to pay the market cost it, it would to be to bring him in. And I think that that's, if it's 14, 15 million on a three-year deal, it's, it's a lot, but it's also the cost to get a quality defensive lineman, you know, in Haley. And I, I think that there's not a lot of other linemen on the market this off season that's going to present his skill set. I don't think this draft provides anybody that, you know, presents his skill set. 
And you do have to eventually kind of come to that spot where you go, okay, we got to, you know, we got to get some prime grade A beef down in there. Not just guys that are third rounds or fifth round guys or, you know, overachiever types. But I'm not paying him 20, you know. I'm not going to go to crazy town on it, to your point. But uh, that's a fair way of looking at it, I think. I'm not, at this point, going to get too beat over it either. It's, it, it happened. It went down. Like you said, it might have been the thing that pushed this move over the top to being made to happen. Casey says, Percy Harvin was typical Pete. And Percy's another one. There's another one. Byron PJ Daniels would be great. Don't think he's going to be available, though, unfortunately. Going top five. Eric Cotter, thank you for the five dollar donation. You're saying Jordan? You are saying Jordan is gone? BT Jordan? I don't know. If BT Jordan's gone. Not beat the the pastor specialist. I think they would try to retain and keep here if they could. We'll see if that's a possibility, but I would think he did pretty good work last year. I don't think they would just bring him in for the year there. Move here. All right, I'll help you. I'll help you out. I got you. It's year. But uh, no, I think BT Jordan stays there. No guarantee, but I'll say this. Whether he stays or goes, we at least know what the, the Ravens last year getting 60 sacks and leading the league and able to generate a lot of their pressure from their blitz packages that it becomes less about needing the guys up front to always be 100% getting the job done on their own. You know, the coaches are going to help them this year in a major way in that respect. But I think he stays. Let me know if I mean a, you mean a different Jordan. Who's next? I mean, his play calling seems to work at the college. I just hope it translates to the NFL. That's the risk with Grub, brought Scooby, is there's some big side upside to him as an offensive coordinator, but, you know, is that scheme going to translate to the pro level when it's not necessarily being all that much work, worked across the board as it stands right now? Dylan says, I've never been this excited for a season till now. It's a little bit of what I was talking about there, Dylan, where that's something that's, I think, starting to proliferate itself through the fan base and you're feeling awakening over the past couple of weeks, especially with the McDonald hiring now, where I, I think people feel themselves in that state of where, I think even a lot of them just feel just kind of realizing, oh, I was in that state. I was in this place where I was um, kind of just, not down on my team, but also just not super excited about what the team was bringing on a yearly basis, you know, that it just wasn't quite kind of feeling it. I think people are feeling it now, right now. And it's great to see. I love seeing it. And uh, hopefully we can, the team can take advantage of this, you know, kind of renewed vigor. Cool Breeze's pumpkin has a sense of recording. She ends up chilling 90% of the time with us. She does. She's really good. Uses her mascot's tired by the look of it. She's exhausted, man. She's had a long day of eating salmon and taking naps. It's taken a lot out of you, haven't it? A lot out of her. A lot. A lot out of you. I know. I know. Uh, Daniel, I think that meant Jordan Brooks. Oh, Jordan Brooks. Yeah, Jordan Brooks is gone at this point 
Now, me and Brendan had an interesting debate on this in the B&B show because he was feeling like Jordan Brooks was maybe the, the better way to go. And I think it comes down to both Jordan and, and um, Queen are going to get four-year contracts. I think Jordan's going to get something like a four-year, $12 million, four-year, $12 million on average per deal. And I think Queen's going to get a four-year, $17 million on average per deal. And so is, is Queen $5 million better, more worthwhile than, than Brooks? Yeah, especially when you factor in the fact he's a better player and he doesn't have the injury history involved. If I'm looking at that from John Schneider and I'm measuring both of those up, I'm going to go ahead and say then I'll take, I'll take the Patrick Queen option and spend the extra $5 million because you don't know if the injury situation is going to continue with Jordan going into the future, number one. You don't know if he's, you know. You also know with Jordan that the coverage issues are going to probably always kind of remain there. Like they're never getting really cleaned up. You sign up for the Jordan Brooks experience. You're you're going to get below average play when it comes to their ability to his ability to stand up in coverage. Dylan, I feel like McDonald gets Matabuke. I don't know. I think Matabuke gets franchised. That's I, I have a pretty strong feeling about this. It's kind of a logical deducement on this one. There's, it's like teams don't play, teams don't pay safeties, right? And if a team's going to pay one safety, they're certainly not going to be paying the other safety. Teams also don't tend to pay their middle linebackers. So if a team's going to pay one middle linebacker, they're probably not going to pay the other middle linebacker. And so they've, they've already have the, the Ravens paid Ronquan Smith a market kind of setting deal a little bit at the middle linebacker position. You, you look at what they feel like maybe they can afford to lose and what they can afford to replace. They don't have a guy necessarily in place for Matabuke if they lose him or, or an easy pathway to finding a replacement necessarily. I guess they'd have, they just have to love somebody in this draft. To, but I think that Dylan, they're going to franchise Matabuke and let Patrick Queen be a free agent. Who's next? I don't know. I don't know if Brooks will be here next year. Yeah, I don't think he will either. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know Garth. Now, yeah, I should have gone right to Jordan Brooks. Haley says, I mean, allegedly Pete said initially this was his last season, then flip-flopped after week 18. Imagine getting Williams was a last ride type of move. Very well could have been, Haley. Yeah, very well could have been. The one thing is with that, that though, that Pete seemed to at some point or another have changed his mind through the process. That'd be the question I'd have for that is where did the, what time, what point did the mind change? You know, when did you, when did you just start going No, wait, I don't want to retire. Eric says Jordan uh, Brooks are not spelling spell games. We got it figured out there, Eric. Copper Wise, I hope we trade back in the first two, man. Trade me back twice, even. I've got a, I've got a big, time, big time affinity for the thought process of trying to find a way to get five picks in the top 100. We got three right now. Can we get five? Can I get myself five? God her damn ice cold disc Brooks and welcome queen laughing out loud. Love it. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do, man? The truth is the truth. You know, I don't hate Brooks, but you know, he's given up 2,300 yards in coverage in four seasons. And he missed, he's missed some time. 2,300 yards. That's what I'd be doing too. Salmon and napping. 
it's a tough life you tripping you know what i mean the hard life that, that tasty salmon and those long naps they cause gets the meat sweats and don mata i don't think wagner is going to want to be a coach after he's done retiring i think he's got a lot of other things they'll probably do a lot of other opportunities i think they'll be there to him Garth Knight, the Hawks, drafted Jordan Brooks ahead of Queen by one pick. So we drafted him in the first round, and then the very next pick, the Ravens took Patrick Queen. Yes, he says one red flag on Queen was his shoulders kept giving out. In the two playoff games, he ran out the field six or seven times like they were out of soccer or some shit. Whoa, I didn't know that. Well, I guess the good news there, Jesse, if that's the case, McDonald will be aware of it, and he'll be like, yeah, don't sign him to $17 million. He's got Elmer's glue holding his shoulders together. Noah, I wonder if we get the OC tomorrow too, man. Probably announced in the next couple of days. Dylan says, what have we got? Uh, Winfield Jr., Antoine Winfield Jr.? Well, you know that that guy's always been one of my favorite guys. So uh, if we got our hands on him, that'd be great. But I highly doubt Tampa Bay is letting him get away. Chase is bringing Clown and Clean Clowney and Queen and Resign Williams. Sign me up for that, Chase. Daniel, uh, thoughts on retaining Devin Bush? He should be cheap, but I think he still has some untapped potential. I hope I have confidence that McDonald can maximize talent. I like cheap upside under our head coach. Uh, I mean, if they bring him out on kind of a veteran minimum deal, Daniel, I'm okay with that. I mean, for the price at that point, that's fine. If he's being asked to be paid at like four or five million a year, then I'm not paying that price for him. So it's got to be in at the right price, vet minimum. But on a vet minimum, yeah, we need to round out these linebacker crew right now. I mean, right now we have John Radigan as our starting linebacker and nobody else next to him. So, you know, we need to, you need to both get starters and you need to get depth. Depth and starters. I think the fifth rounder I is in next year's draft, not this year's draft. So you still have your fifth rounder in this year's draft. I believe. Eric Cotter, dude, meat sweats on her. What does that look like? Yikes. <laughs> it's, it's a dry sweat. <laughs> it comes off in dander. Uh, Derek, it's uh, very weird that Kafka couldn't interview with us. I've never saw an interview request get blocked, at least not in recent memory. We were commenting here in the earlier on the stream, Derek, that it was it seemed to feel like kind of a dick move by the Giants. And I maintain it still feels like a dick move as we're a couple hours later. You know, like, come on, you guys. Well, what are we doing here? You know, if he wants to go, let him go. Especially because, to me, this that's a job, Derek, where they very, very, very realistically get into firing Dable after this year, i.e. then firing... Um, and then firing with that, uh, Kafka, you know? So he's like, look, I could have gone last year. You knew this was coming down. You guys, you knew you were going to do this. Why didn't you let me go then? Kind of cold-blooded. Yes, he says, very good point. McDonald knows better than anyone what's going on with the Ravens players. Yeah. And I think that's definitely going to stand out in his mind of, you know, yeah, I talked to the medical staff. They told me about these shoulders. I've been dealing with this for the, you know, back end of the year. 
or it's, you know, he just needs an off season for the shoulders to get better and he'll be fine or, you know, something like that. Whatever the truth may be, of course. Susan Market, Susan Martin says, love the cat. Thank you, Susan. She's, she's a nice girl. She's a good kitty. Very talkative. Got a lot to say. Yeah, you do. A lot to say. She's got hawk thoughts. Hawk thoughts. Uh, Haley says, Rooney Rivers, you can pull via Zoom. We don't need to. Roxanne rolls in the house. What's up, Roxanne? Says, I'm okay with never talking to Kafka. Face like a rat smelling a predator's urine. <laughs> Can't have that face on my sideline. You know Double right. Six quadrant left. Double X. Eight wide. Double going right. Double doo. He does got a, a very, very not motivating looking face. If you could have a not motivating looking face, that's a not motivating looking face, Roxanne. To your point. It's it's a little rough. I like it, but that face like a rat smelling a predator's urine. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, <clears throat> Haley says, I imagine Mike McDonald would prefer his middle linebacker from Michigan. Apparently, he was super high on him. Started him early. I like him a lot, too, man. I, or, man, Haley. I can call you a man. Um, Junior Colson. Me and Mike McDonald are similar on this one. I seem to have him higher than a lot of other people have the other middle linebackers in this draft. Um, Edron Cooper, for some people, is their number one linebacker. There's a few other guys that, you know, Peyton Wilson for some. For my money, I just think the most complete guy is Junior Colson on the tape I've watched. So if they end up going Colson second round and drop, I wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked at all. He gives you everything at the position you need. And especially for McDonald Haley that wants the guy that's versatile and flexible and can do everything, that's really going to be very appealing. Very appealing. Uh, Colbury's Pumpkin would probably not like the uh, Pang Yang curry I get. It's spicy. Yeah, she's not a big spicy one. You don't like spice. You don't know what you don't like. Sean says, KJ wants TJ T. Martin as the OC. Your thoughts? He's a little inexperienced, Sean. He's not done any offensive coordinating. He's only done a year of quarterback coaching, and then he's only done two years of receivers work before that. So you have a lot of inexperience there as far as the play calling goes yeah i guess he got the the year of lamar jackson and the better year of lamar jackson out of him and that's impressive that you you were able to better turn him into more of a passer in the pocket and make him look more like a competent quarterback going through his reads and his progressions and his process rather than just being a runner at the position um but that in itself isn't enough to convince me that he should be the oc and i think there's probably better options out there. I'd, I'd like at least a guy that has called plays. It doesn't have to be a necessity on that, but that'd be a general preference. And if they haven't called plays, then they need to have some kind of background that's very, very, very enticing in what they've done. And Martin's just done solid work. It's not been super enticing necessarily. He says Kafka wouldn't be a good head coach, but just as an OC, he'd be good. Probably would. Who's the best OC available at the moment? I really don't want to deal with conservative play calling and second and long runs again. I think Grubbs is then, for, for what you just said, as far as what you don't want to deal with, that'd be your guy. And he does seem to be the front runner for the position at this point, Derek, is the Washington OC. 
Jesse says, are the Ravens cornerbacks any good or was the coaching more than talent? I'd take three of, guy, three of our guys over anyone but Humphreys. Um, yeah, Marlon Humphrey is really good. You know, obviously at safety, Hamilton and Geno Stone outplayed our safeties. So, you know, um, their cornerbacks collectively tackle better than ours. Maybe Witherspoon step for step with them, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, they've, they had, they're, you know, Roquan outplayed Mitt Bobby this year. And Hadrick Queen outplayed Jordan. And Matabuki outplayed our three tech for the most part. Leonard Williams would have been pretty close to him, but you didn't have Leonard Williams for the whole year. They probably got better collective edge play out of each guy on both sides. I have a hard question to answer on that one a bit for me. Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I don't agree with Roxanne Roll, but I respect her stance on mafia-controlled offensive coordinators. <laughs> uh, I totally get where she's coming from on Kafka. I couldn't deal with that face. No, thank you. Imagine if that had been our head coach. Like a mouse smells predator's urine. It's yours. Yeah. Thank you, though, uh, Garth. Appreciate you. Leonard Williams the third. Would you be upset if we took all defense and offensive linemen and no quarterback or other skill positions? Hashtag build the trenches. No. That's what I'm calling for, Leonard. I, I say start with your offensive line on the inside. Get over to your trenches on the defensive side. I do think people, Leonard, are a little bit confused at times on what we need on the interior of the defensive line, especially if you do bring back Leonard Williams. And that is that you have Leonard Williams, then you'll have Draymond Jones, then you'll have Mike Morris. I mean, that's three, three techs you've got at that point. You're going to need a nose tackle, but go get a nose tackle. Go get maybe a Tavande Sweat. Go get a, you know, a, a guy in there that can be a little bit more able to plug some things up in there. Sure. Sure. I'm completely in favor. I, would, I wouldn't, I'm kind of old school like that, Leonard. I do think that you win with the trenches and, and, you know, I think we've also done a lot in recent years to attack some of our skill positions on the edge to where that's not as much of a necessity now than also in addition to that. Andre Pitcher, did you, do you think that Ryan Grubb comes to Washington's as our new Seattle Seahawks OC? I do, Ante. Yeah. I think it goes this way. I feel pretty good that that's how this is going to break down. Swedish Shinobi, it's funny that the Giants were finally able to block someone. Unfortunately, it was one of their own coaches. <laughs> Giants deserve these strays, folks. That's, that's cold-blooded. I wanted to leave. You're keeping him in country. They're holding his passport. Dable's over there like, no, no, you're going to stay. We just got one more little check. Snap of the rubber glove. No, this will be very quick. Uh, Daniel Bailey says, do we play the Giants next season? If we do, I'm hoping we put up a 40 burger on them. That's fine. Keep your OC. We're good. Unfortunately not. And since we know they're not making the playoffs next year, we won't be seeing the Giants at all next season. <laughs> uh, Philip Castle, does Swift move into the first round closer to the Combine? Swift. I'm spacing on the Swift name right now. 
Mm. Does Swift move into the first round closer to the combine? Tavondre. Tavondre. Gosh dang. Sorry, I was completely like, huh? You mean sweat then, not Swift, but you meant sweat, I think. No, he has too much inconsistency on tape. And he sometimes doesn't play it enough like the one tech a little bit like you'd like always the consistency and just rooting down and being an immovable force. He can do, he does that a lot of the times, but it's, it's more of like you get the one tech with some pass rush ability is kind of his acclaim and not as pure. Uh, you know, the one techs tend to drop anyway. They don't tend to go first round unless they're freakish like Jordan Davis. So he's got to wait till the second round. No way he goes in the first. Philip, it's more likely his teammate goes in the first than him. Byron Murphy. Braden uh, Lewinsky. Second and long runs aren't that bad look uh, when the Lions got and they ran the ball in third long more than anybody last year. Second and long runs aren't that bad. Look at where the Lions got and they ran the ball in third and long more than anyone last year. Was that directed at me, Braden? I don't know. You might, maybe you were talking to someone else on that. Goobreeze, Brando, Mariner season incoming. Any bids? I find myself completely unexcited and uninterested by what's going on with the Mariners right now. I have no excitement for this upcoming season. So I don't know. I think I will probably be just doing all Seahawks content all off season, to be honest with you. You know, it's, uh, in, Mariners have done a lot this off season to push fans. They've like taken the opposite approach to the Hawks and taken steps to push their fans away. And uh, I find myself one of them. Keep making that profit, Mariners. Keep making your profit. It's all about that business model, man. Got to get that business model in the right shape, you know. Got to cut those corners. Why has it got to be a 10%? Why can't it be a 13%? And why 13% when it can be 16%? Money, money, money. Money. Do, 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 do. Money. Mr. Allos, who I looked dominant in Senior Bowl 101s. He was very good in 101s. Yep. But that's the place also you'd expect to dominate. Most time playing a one tech, you're getting double teams. And that's something you don't want to tape with him is that if he gets one-on-one, then yeah, he'll wreck shop. But the thing with him is it sometimes doesn't always root down exactly as much as you want as a one tech. Most of the time it's there, but you kind of want it to be more there with his size. He's just so big. Milo fought. Tanu, first pick makes the most sense, but Mike want, may want to pick uh, D first, right? Thoughts? I, I tend to be driven towards more, like you say, the line, it, it would be made, the, the pick that I think would make the most sense is going to line first, where that's the value also on your board. Especially if you drew, if you slid back, Milo, if you go 15 to 26, you're, you're looking right down the barrel of Cooper Bebe, Trofotanu, Jackson Powers Smith, um, uh, do, 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 who's the other guy I was trying to think of? Uh, oh yeah, Graham Barton. I mean, you'd have maybe all four of those options you're looking right at. All of those guys you know are upgrades to what you have, pro ready, and play multiple positions. 
I mean, I got to feel like there would be definite draw there to, to jump in on those guys. Gar says, okay, who's responsible for Danny Dimes sticking around? Fire him. <laughs> that guy still is probably optimistic. He's still like, we got to get him an offensive line, Garth. That's what he's saying. He's going, we just got to give him a line. It's not his fault. We just got to give him a line. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. He's bringing the same energy that that old uh, Bill O'Reilly on uh, Insider Edition, you know. F it, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Where he freaked out and lost his stuff. John, can we convince Jody to play Air Raid Siren every time we score at home if uh, Grub becomes OC? He hated it at UW. <laughs> you guys are already wanting to troll him. You're not the first one that said that today, Sean. Come on, y'all. We can't start. We can't start trolling our OC from the jump here. No way. Oh my gosh. Uh, Snail, thank you for the two dollar donation. B, I want uh, new Dontario Poe. Is he in the draft? Well, that's what Tavondre Sweat basically is. That's basically Tavondre. So you want Dontario? Tavondre's the guy. Not as good as I think a prospect it was the Dontario was coming out, but still very close. So there's your guys now. And no, there's not really another one. The other defensive tackles in this draft are Byron Murphy, three tech. Tyleek is okay. Deontay Corleone is like a real big. He can do a bit of both. Corleone is kind of like that, I guess, a bit. But uh, Dwayne Carter, three tech. Hall's a three tech. Chris Jenkins, a three tech. Braden Fisk had a fun senior bowl, but he's not really... Dontario Poe, he's a three tech as well. He's not Dontario Poe. There's few people built like that. So you only get one a draft. Uh, Brandon says, B would love to see a video where you rebuild the Seahawks and Madden, explaining what you would do and why you would do it. Could you make a, it could make a good video as well. I'm down to do it, man. That's a great idea. I did get the last year's Madden. I think I did. So um, I'll re-download it and see if I can put a video together like that, man. I'm down to do it totally. Great idea. Great suggestion. Fantastic suggestion. Do Bob, after the coaching signings, who do you think we should draft with the first or trade back? I try to trade back, do Bob. And I'd even try to trade back two times. I think more than getting caught up on a particular player in this draft or where we're going to be picking, I'm more about, can I get five picks in the top 100? I currently have three picks in the top 100. Can I get five? That's my, that would be my goal if I was John Schneider. Because the talent in this draft from about 11 to 50, 11 to 60, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. That's where, just on the surface of it, that's where I find myself kind of pulled a little bit. John says, Hawksness, with what the Seahawks do in the first round, going to show anyone what they're focusing on? Not necessarily, because they could be just looking to grab a specific guy or a guy that's resonating with them or they just fell in love with. I think the whole total of the draft will tell that tale that you're looking for, Sean. Not just off that first pick. Because one pick can be an outlier to a need for a particular point in the defense or for something the offensive coordinator needs here. And where they then they fall in love with that guy in tandem with it. So it get, it's a little bit tougher to make that determination. And I'll, I'll maybe do some Ms. content at some point. I'm not trying to be too soured on them, but it's it's been. I mean, your GM is telling you that we want to win 54% of our games. 
<laughs> what do you, and I know there'll be people that, well, he got misquoted on that. Like, no, he said what he said. And there's a reason why that quote is, you know, and it's, it fits to what their, their model type is as an organization. And I, I don't follow sports for teams just to follow sports the hell of it. I'm following it because I'm hoping you as a team are trying to go out there and win a championship. And if your organization is not in the pursuit of championships, then I'm not, I don't think I should really have to watch the team or cover the team. And I thought when I started the Mariners channel up two years ago, that that's what they were intending to do was to start to push and be a team that was going to get themselves out of being a laughing stock in baseball and bring themselves up into legitimacy. Instead, what they've shown is that they're more interested in covering 2 million at the gate every year. And as long as they get their 2 million people crossing through the gate every year, then they could give a, a piss about whether or not they ever win a World Series or not. And I, I don't know. For me, that's a bit of a struggle, especially when so many exciting things are happening now with the Seahawks team to start covering you know, Mariner content. And um, I'll say this too. So like baseball as a sport just doesn't have the same kind of coverage or the same kind of interests. And, you know, I did many live stream baseball games over last year. I probably did 50 live streams. And it's like, there's not a lot of people coming in there. That's with a team that was winning. You know, it's just, you know, this is the Mariner organization's one that's tone deaf on this. Like you guys can call all you want about being all poor and we don't have any money in our television deal, our television package, but you know, you have fans checking out and they're not always going to carry you on that 2 million gate for the foreseeable future if you never give them anything to, to reward them for what they're doing for you. It can't be a one-way street there on that. Derek says, biased opinion. Do you think Mike McDonald is going to work out for us? Yes, I do. Because it's a smart hire and he's a smart individual and they're, I, I think that that's a big part of the success is whether you took that process to do it correctly or incorrectly. Did you just try to do it fast? Did you just try to get a guy in here to do, get a guy in or did you get the right guy in here? And I think they took a process to make sure that they got the right guy in here. And that leads me to believe that there's a lot more room for it to be successful. Swedish Shinobi question, how important is the nose tackle compared to three tech for McDonald? Uh, I think it's at the very least equal. I mean, the team had uh, Michael Pearson there as a starter, but they went out and spent a third round pick out of the kid out of UConn a couple of years ago. He was obviously a guy they looked as the want to be as the heir apparent there, but it shows that they don't just look at it as a position like some general managers do to where I can find my nose tackle in the fifth round or sixth round. I'll just get a plugger in there. That doesn't seem to be their methodology and approach. Matabuke, I believe, was a third or fourth rounder as well. So... I don't think that they necessarily, as far as the background of the of the Ravens go defensively and how they've drafted, I don't know if that's driven by McDonald. They've leaned towards when they're going to go high. Um, they've gone, it seems like, I want to say they've gone kind of for, they go, um, they really do lean more on offensive side of the ball early on when it comes to early in the draft. And then it's second, third, fourth round is where you'll see them start to address Defensive tackle, middle linebacker. But it seems like first round, you're either getting offensive guys or you'll get skill. You'll get like a, a Marlon Humphrey first round pick or a Justin Hamilton a first round pick. So if we're fitting to what they've done, at least you're you're more looking at probably a nose in the second, third round. You know, if you're looking at them getting an edge, second or third round, three tech, second, third. But first round would be more of a different kind of cat than at that spot. Maybe of Tyler Newbin. Maybe an offensive lineman. Uh, and Sean Hines, I wouldn't move Kobe Bryant to safety. I just think 
Um, he hasn't played safety particularly well in the short times you put him there this year. This is now, you moved him already from slot after you moved him from outside corner. He was two-time All-ACC at corner. He was the Walter Thorpe Award winner at corner. Let's just put him to the position that he was drafted and, and, and let him run there. Any thoughts on Jeremiah Trotter Jr.? Seems super instinctual. Would be kind of cool to pair with Colson and sign Matabuke if the Ravens can't keep him. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Trotter lasts outside the second round, so I'm a little bit worried about that, Haley. Where you, you're only really probably going to get one shot at one. If you did pair him up with uh, a Colson, that'd be a great combination. Uh, I think he is going to work in this league. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know if there's really star power behind Trotter. If that makes sense. I see functional. I see a guy that has maybe a high fours or maybe even just kind of at least a league average middle linebacker. But is he going to be a difference maker at the position? Is he going to be able to, I don't know if he's twitchy enough. I don't know if he's explosive enough um, forward. He's a very good lateral mover, but forward and back um, for his size, it's not as explosive as you'd like. You know, if you're an undersized guy, then I want that twitch to you as the middle linebacker, you know? where it's just vroom, vroom, vroom. I think he's going to run like a 4-6. If not, maybe even a little bit slower. And so that's got me a little bit worried with Trotter's a tough eval, Haley. Because like you say, he's so smart, so instinctual. There's a lot of things that he does that you can't kind of teach and he just naturally has with the position. But size, the measurements, the explosiveness, I mean, that stuff does factor. If you're undersized and you're not super fast or, you know, bursty, yeah, yeah, I mean. Cobra says, Brando, I've been telling you to do the M's content to roast the team. We need that voice. I'll try to do at least that video. I hate being super aggro negative, you know, when I start getting in that role. I just, I, I feel like I'm being pissy at times when I'm just like, but you're right. We probably could use one of those guys I've, I've seen. There's not a lot of people that are, you know, standing on this line with it and I could have some fun with it where I get to be the only guy doing it, you know, because I, I get where the Mariner content creators are coming from on that because you're going... We already have such a small subset of folks on this thing that are checking into this process. You know, if we start getting negative, we'll have those people checking out, you know, or as I won't care. <laughs> I'll, burn the, I'll burn the whole house down. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, but I'll try to put something together. Cool. I'll do at least something before the season. We'll get one, at least one video up, you know. Uh, Garth Knight, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh, what scheme does Mike McDonald employ? Is he 3-4, by the way? I'm like Brendan Nelson on Clowney. Can't stop appreciating post-Monday Night Football in San Francisco a few years back. Well, you know, I've, I've always got a lot of love for Clowney, Garth. Um, I will always have a lot of love for Clowney. So if he comes here, I'm, I will tell you this is a great move. Let's make it. I will pound the table for it to happen. Um, Mike McCarthy employs, basically, if you go back to the origins of it, Garth, I mean, if you want to go back to like, let's take it back. Like you take a West coast offense back to its beginnings. It's, it's got the 46 and it's in its beginnings, um, which is, you know, three, four backing a bit, but it's more of, he will employ the four man fronts. He will employ some three, four. Um, he'll have guys standing up. He'll have guys putting their hands in the ground. You know, you, you it, it will, it, it will sometimes differ play by play. So he's not as structured on his defensive line in uh, this position's here and that position's here and that position's here, especially in how he uses Garth the blitz game to operate off of the looks of his defensive line. So it, it does lean a more, it does lean a little bit more into the, you know, some cover two shell principles on the back end. Um, 
some three, four in there, but it's so multiple now in Garth. It's so much more away from what it was even 10 years ago where you were either four, three or you were three, four. And now it's all kind of, especially the good defenses seem to be throwing a lot of things out there. You'll get the three man front, the one guy standing at the end of the line of scrimmage. You'll get the two down linemen like we've done with the two and the nine technique on the outside. Might get the pure just four down linemen at times on certain looks with a three tech in the spot, the one tech in his, the outside Leo where he is, your, your you know four tech, whatever, on the front side of the play, strong side of the play. Um, so, you know, it, it just definitely the way it kind of goes with that. But Cloudy in San Francisco had one of the best defensive performances I've seen from a Seahawk ever. I felt like he took that game over. Uh, someday I will do a video on my great Seahawks moments in Seahawks history series. I'll do it on that on that game and what he did do because he was magnificent and uh, it was such a fun game on top of it. I mean, just the back and forth and down to the wire and it took a crazy drive, I think, at the end to pull it off and it was an amazing game. It was just an amazing game. Uh, Snail is going to go ahead and finish us off here with this last donation. So we'll go ahead and start to put a bit of a cap on this as I got to bang over here at nine o'clock. I'm going to be jumping over onto my Twitch channel actually, and hopping on with my brother and some friends. And we're going to do some Fortnite tonight, play a little bit of games and have some fun over there. So if you want, you can join us over there on Twitch. I'm the, I am the Seahawks nest on Twitch, or you can click it down in the description link. You can find the username down there as well, uh, where you can find me over my channel tonight. We'll be playing throughout the night tonight over there. But uh, we'll have uh, Snail finish this off with this $5 donation. I want to thank Snail. I want to thank Garth, Eric Cotter, Roxanne Roll, Rahawks O, uh, Suspicious Stench, uh, Taker610, uh, Nolan, Peter Go Hawks. Thank you to everybody tonight for so many of the donations. You're so very kind of you guys. Uh, pop was going to pop in and out. Just you guys pop them in. So thank you for doing that. And um, you know, very much appreciated you guys on that. Thank you so much. Snail uh, says with the $5 donation, and thank you, Snail, for all of your support here to the channel in addition to being a member. I do appreciate you for that. Devondre Sweat or Bust from now on, B. I want three men in the middle of those three, four like Poe was for those Chiefs back in the day. Biggest man on the field. Well, there's no doubt about that. When you put Devondre up in the front and you're looking at the telecast, you're not going to have any question in your mind when you look between those offensive line and the defensive linemen as to who the biggest guy is on the football field at that moment. Devondre is absolutely that guy. He rocks 360. No doubt about it. Now, they're could be a little bit of a, uh, an argument to be made that maybe Tavondre could stand to lose maybe 20 pounds and he might be even more effective as a player at that point. But he is a good player. There's nobody built like him. There's nobody that's that weight that moves like he moves. And that makes him, like you say, so very unique. And uh, I've in a lot of my mock drafts, it, it, the, the common thing, the way my mocks go when I run it on just in the background on my own is you trade back, I get my I get my offensive lineman with the first pick. I'm into the second round. And then Snail, once I'm into that second round, bam, I go and then I take Tavondre Sweat. Or I usually go with the middle linebacker like Junior Colson or Edrin, uh, Edrin James. And so that's that's been where I've been driven to do that too, Snail. And if you did that, I think, boy, as a, as a Hawks, if you did as your one-two to begin your draft where you've got first round, you've taken care of uh, your left guard, got some help at right tackle if Lucas can't hold up, and then you got Tavondre Sweat in the second round. And now you have your two third round picks to do whatever kind of the hell you want to do. That would set the draft up very well for, for being just as successful as these past two drafts have been snail and how we've managed those. So um, you, you don't have to sell me on a man. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'll pull that oar in that same boat as you uh, because I think that that could be 
Uh, mighty helpful and certainly something that's in glaring need with this defense right now. Tavondre comes in. Jaron Reed can fit now into the number two uh, one-tech role. Cam Young can develop at his own pace. It opens up a lot of different things on that end of it if you bring him in. And I don't know when I look at these defensive tackles in this draft if there's a lot of other guys that are going to quite fit to what he does. You know, a lot of guys that are big and move well, but more three-tech types than true noses. A lot of threes, not a lot of ones. You know what I mean, Snail? But thank you, man. I appreciate uh, that donation. So nice of you. Uh, very, very kind of you. Uh, Cooper says, and I get a Brandon, most Dems creators kiss, kick ass, kiss ass the organization when you're real boys. I, I, and I get where they're coming from. Cooper's to it. It's tougher if it's a harder road with baseball than it is with football. I don't have to worry about being negative football and like, well, I've got a quarter of my audience will check out, you know, and I think you get maybe potentially a little bit of that you're looking at in baseball, but I'll, I'll put a video together. I'll put a video together and you know me, I won't pull any punches. So I'll, I'll give them the, I'll give the straight, the straight goods for sure on that. All right, folks. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to pounce on over to my other uh, side of things over here on my Twitch channel. And again, you can uh, show me over there if you guys want to on that side of it. Would really appreciate it. We'll uh, just be kind of chilling over there, just a little bit more laid back. But uh, we will be back tomorrow doing a little bit of Senior Bowl breakdown. Senior Bowl went down today. We had practices throughout this week. Risers, fallers, everybody in between on that. We're going to be going through up, down, left, and right and looking at the players and uh, who stocks rise. Senior Bowl, it's 75th anniversary of the Senior Bowl this year, has become more and more important has become a bigger and bigger part of the draft valuation process. And our Seattle Seahawks have targeted specifically Senior Bowl players in recent drafts pretty heavily. So some of these guys in this recent Senior Bowl are, are very likely to be on the Seahawks roster here come draft day. So we'll be talking a little bit more tomorrow about that 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We'll be doing the uh, Senior Bowl draft stream. Uh, we've got Tuesday behind enemy lines with the Baltimore Ravens. Coach Evans of Sip2 Tally Films here on YouTube, where I will be going into a little bit of the ins and the outs, the X's and O's, the ups and the downs of what exactly Mike Donald brings to the table as a head coach, what his defense brings to the table, what we can expect, and just, you know, how mad are the Ravens fans about losing Mike McDonald as their defensive coordinator? I thank you guys for watching today. Please do slam, destroy, utterly obliterate that like button, tear it into a million different pieces if you could for me, please helps me out tremendously. I want to thank, as always, the sponsor of this show. Sponsor of this show is Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy, sponsoring this show throughout this year. And right now, you can click the link at the top description section below there. That link will take you to the Underdog Fantasy site. And the first time you sign up, they will match you up to 100% of your first deposit. Up to $100. So $100 on the Hawks Nest, and you support me at the same time get into some great ongoing contests. You want to get in on the Super Bowl. You think uh, this given player is going to do that. That given player is going to do this. They've got, they've got a way for you to jump in on those specific given marks and take advantage of it. We've got March Madness. We've got uh, basketball, hockey, baseball starting up. Still a lot of great sports breaking up here in the future. So you can take advantage of that over there at Underdog Fantasy right now. Click that link below or use my code NEST. Get $100 in your pocket on the Hawks Nest. Support the channel. I appreciate them for doing that. We will be back in less than 24 hours for another live stream show on this Senior Bowl period. Thank you guys for watching. Again, please hit that like button on the way out the door. Thank you to all the new subscribers. Back in 24 hours, but please, until that time, please do not you ever, don't you ever forget. Come on now. Go Hawks.